Hey you, come here. I want to tell you something. Do you ever want to be who they want a podcast? Then all you need is Anchor. It's the easiest way to start, and it's free. It has access to tools right at your fingertips. Plus, Anchor does the distribution work for you. You heard me, for you. So all you have to do is download, record, and upload. That's simple. Join anchor.fm today and get to podcasting. Mwah. If I'm going to tell you when to come in. First, we're going to... Yo, yo, what it do? Liz D, homie. I'm hanging out with the Misfits on the Who They Want podcast. If you ain't here, you ain't about it. Blizz D, homie. Yo, 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 you already know what it is, what it be, what it ain't, but what it really is. This is Psychedelic Chilling with the Misfits on Who They Want Podcast. This is a little riddle. What it is, this your boy Captain Capo Grown on standby for the run by with the Misfits on Who They Want Podcast. You ain't about it if you ain't here, so stay tuned. Grown. Yo, 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 this is FP3 chilling with the Misfits on Who They Want Podcast. The one and only, stay tuned. What's up, y'all? This is Lady Tasha, better known as the Duchess. And you already know, I'm rocking with the Misfits on a Who They Want Entertainment Podcast show. And don't forget, go and download everything Entertainment Expo app and get blocked in. Or bow down, bitches. Steady. Are you ready? Mm. Daddy, are you ready? Mm. Steady, are you ready? Mm. Oh, man, I can't wait to be who they want. Yo, 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 welcome back to the legendary, iconic, award-winning podcast show that does everything that they don't. Y'all are now tuned in to Who They Want Podcast Show. Really? Really, Duchess? That's what we're going to do during the intro? Okay. <laughs> but no, that's not people, part. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, it is Music Icon Monday, and we have a legend. In the studio amongst us, ladies and gentlemen, from one of my favorite, I'm talking about super fantastic favorite group, being that I am a 90s baby, so it's only fair to say it for me. You already know, we got Dr. Garfield, right? You heard me right? Dr. Dr. Garfield. Let's right. Right. Doctor. You feel me? We're going to put some respect on his name, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have him on just momentarily. He's sitting in the studio waiting on us to go <laughs> do I think you know? <laughs> so what's you know what? First thing I just want to say, rest in peace, Power Cole. That was a you know another great person who we lost. And absolutely, um, you know, um, you know they said he um, was battling COVID. 
unfortunately, and just send my blessings and prayers and condolences out to his family. Um, you know, we lost so many. It's hurtful, but people, please stay safe. Agreed. Get vaccinated and wear the mask. And that's all I'm going to say about that and everything. But Steady, how you doing today? I'm doing great. I am doing great, beloved. You know what I'm saying? Always working. I've been actually studying today, just even though I knew what we had going, because we've had this under wraps for quite a few weeks with the mass promotion. But just the excitement of knowing that, you know, we here tonight with an icon on our legendary podcast status mode tonight. So it's definitely epic. You already know. Yeah, that's the Zycon moment. And uh, we just going to get into it. Hey, Lisa. <laughs> um, yeah, he was also battling. Uh, we got the comments. The comments are going to be going crazy tonight. I'm quite sure. Absolutely. He was battling <laughs> cancer. She was letting us know that he had. Did, I knew oh, he yes, had another. Too. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. Oh, gosh. You know, you just never know. Um, we got to just thank God. You know, we got to start taking care of ourselves. You know, I fell off around my birthday. I got in there and started working out again and stuff, eating right, right. everything. So we definitely got to start taking care of ourselves and everything. And <clears throat> just, you know, everybody just please continue to stay safe. I just can't get that out of my mind. You know, there's a lot of people out here for some reason. They just don't. They just want to rebel. <laughs> That's what I call it. Right. A lot it of people just rebel against like you know, life and staying safe. Like, I, I don't get it. I, I don't know what more we have to do, how many more people we have to lose before people understand that this is serious. And we got to take this serious. These are our lives. You know what I mean? You know, just, yeah. if you know, listen, if you don't want to get vaccinated, wear your mask, fine, but just have respect for me and others and stay away from me. You know what I mean? Because we don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not even saying that to be funny. God, I'm just, no. you know, I know. This is it's 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 getting rough, you know. This thing is not it's not going nowhere, and then it's coming back with a vengeance with variants. <laughs> you you feel me? He went and hooked up with all his cousins, his sisters, his yeah, distant cousins. Like, he done brought all his relatives to the yeah, forefront. They, like yeah. they got the whole Greek thing going on with the Omega and this and that and stuff, and the Delta. Lord, I mean, Jesus Christ. But Absolutely. anywho, um, you know, I just you know grateful and thankful that. I'm still here, you know, Steady's here. We're here tonight on the show, getting ready to have a dope show. Um, Kyle will be joining us a little, little bit later and everything, but I think we're just going to get into the show. And we can't keep the, I don't want to keep the doctor waiting. Dr. Garfield, right? Let's bring him in. <laughs> Absolutely. You out there cheesing, you all right? Y'all look crazy over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but listen, hey, that is, you know, it's a lot going on nowadays and stuff, you know, and it's just, it's scary, you know? How did COVID, you know, how did you cope with this COVID thing? I mean, you know, it's, it, was, it was rough being in the house for a year. Yeah. But um, it forced you to pivot and kind of like do new things and kind of reinvent yourself and get more creative with regard to, you know, money making mm -hmm. and creating streams of income that you might not have had before and just being smarter, moving smarter, more efficient, um, or, to still, you know, uh, keep the sanity and um, still being able to connect with the people that, you know, define, you know, help define you in, in, in that link that allows you the, uh, you know, the mechanism to relax and to enjoy yourself, you know, 
um, right. that connection through that connection. So finding new ways to connect um, and making them meaningful and everything. Right. So that 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 was what COVID kind of you know did for me. Um, I learned Pro Tools, so I'm you know instead of having to go to different studios and get vocals recorded by some yeah. engineer, I can do it myself now, and it is my creative process because it allowed me to create a whole lot of material. Now I'm doing a solo album. Right. Off track in the albums, you know, it's, it's all acapella. Like the tracks themselves are acapella tracks, Ooh. the drums and the trumpets, and then I'm singing songs on top of that. But it's all me, wow. and so but I, I only fell into that because of COVID. COVID. Wow. I wrote a book. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I was reading. I was reading. I didn't get to see that, but yeah, and stuff like that. So you know, and that's going to be residual income when I put it out. It's going to, you right. know, so it's not space specific. Stuff like that. So I thought it through on, on those levels. I've always, you know, food wise, I'm a vegan. I've been vegan for a while. Yeah. I see that. Are we going to get into that too? I see you vegan. And you must be feeling good with that as well. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I just turned 52 um, October the 12th. Yeah, stop I don't, that. I don't feel like what I thought 52 was going to be when I was younger. I don't feel like that guy. But I am. Right. You know, I'm 52 years old for sure. 1969. You know, it's important to have a good diet to try to work out as if you can, you know, just being consistent. You don't, don't got to be pushing 500 pounds and all that, but right, something consistent right. that you can keep to that's in your wheelhouse that don't tax you too much, but that you just keep building on, get a little bit more endurance towards it, boom, 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 fitting your mm -hmm. schedule and your, your body responds to it, just like a cactus in the, in the desert. You know, right. give it a little bit of water, but the water that it gets, it's trained itself to distribute that and make it sustainable over time until it gets the next. So your body's intelligent. It'll learn, you know, what you as long as you're putting something good, it'll give you something good back, you know. Right, so I just, right. all those things, COVID has really brought to the fore even more because people who aren't being in shape or aren't doing those things, the enclosed space and the real stressed out movement is adding to a, a scenario that could get you sicker or potentially get you more susceptible, you know, immune system wise right. to being sick. Got you. So, right. You know, That's all those things. So, and can know. I just tell you, as you sitting here speaking, you have, even when you're talking, you have that same cool, suave thing that you have when you're singing. <laughs> do, do you get what I'm saying, Steady? I mean, he just got, you know, <laughs> like, cool, it's definitely suave. still there. Like, it doesn't change. <laughs> You know, and you sitting here just talking, having a conversation with us, and it's still there, and it's natural. Gosh, oh well, I man, appreciate that. I'm not aware. But um, Lisa Marie said you're looking great, Doctor Bright. That's right. We want to never Doctor Bright. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate Doctor Bright. You know, I'm still just G to me to myself. You know, I accomplished that academically. You mm -hmm. know, and it's something that I, you know, a terminal degree is something for my family legacy. Right. Um, it's something I, I, I strove for and I stuck to it, you know, proved a lot to myself by reaching that because that's a pledge process. People don't know that until they go through a doctoral program. But to get right. that, oh, to do the course on part, the and, do and so I did it, you know, I didn't do it to be accepted by the academy. I didn't even get hooded right. at a graduation ceremony. I, I forewent that. I did it right. for myself and my legacy and my posterity, my sons. And, um, and because I'm fascinated by education, I wanted to see what was next to keep going and stuff right. like that. So because of that, of course, I worked hard, but in my mind, I'm still G. Like, it didn't define me. But right, some people, right. regardless of what I think, they looking at me like, you know what? I'm proud of you. I'm going to give you your stripes, bro. I'm going to call you doctor. I'm quite sure I'm going to slip up and call you G or Garfield. Yeah, you know, and that's fine. Like, because I'm that. You know that, I'm, that doctor right there, you know? You know, I earned that, and I'm proud of that, no yeah, doubt. And I don't try to dissociate myself from that at all. But um, you know, it doesn't define me as a, as Garfield. You know, I'm, right? 
that's not a status thing. I wasn't doing it for a status symbol. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did it because I like learning and I messed around and went all the way to a terminal degree with it. Got an award off of my dissertation. Yes. Um, yes. College of Arts and Sciences and stuff. I had a 4.03 GPA. Like I really, really did that. And um, yes, but I'm still G, you know. <laughs> so. I like yeah. I like that humbleness is so raw. I love it. <laughs> so as um, you said, now you there's something you mentioned. You said it runs in your family, right? So yeah, um, it basically does. My my my, right. my my dad and mom both work for you know the National Education Association okay. and, and Alabama Education Association. You know, they they were both steeped in education and. They told, you know, early on, I went to school in Alabama, um, a, a first through third grade on the College of Alabama State University, the Hornets. I went wow. to the Early Childhood Center on that campus. People from Montgomery, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Right, and, um, right. So in my younger days, I saw black college students in my view every day. I thought that was just some normal stuff. Once you got big, you was going to go to this black college. That's just right. what we do as black people. That's what I, I, as a baby, as a kid, being on that campus for my schooling and then walking across the street onto the campus to, to get with mom and dad by five o'clock so we can go home. And I'm on that, right. I'm the guy on the side of the football, in the football games, I'm on. A, I'm the guy on the side pumping the Gatorade for the team, throwing the football <laughs> at the quarterback or at the basketball games, you know, at halftime, the little kids that be playing on the court that shouldn't be out there. I'm one of the little boys shooting there. But how you get down there? That's me. I'm that guy. <laughs> So, you know, I was I was just in, in a college world. And so education and black people was like peanut butter and jelly to me. I thought it right. was supposed to be. So when I grew up, I always thought that black people just went to college because that was my reality. Right. Right. I saw a whole bunch of black excellence in my face at all times. Yeah, so when I got older, I went to Howard, you know, and that's where we, you know, Shy met. And, you know, it was a foregone conclusion. And I was, you know, going. It wasn't even like a big deal to me. It was just that's what we do. Oh, how is it? Looking back, I, I realized that was the tutelage of my parents and just instilling education early on. I learned how to read at around age three or something like that, something crazy. Right. And um, that allowed me to start school a little bit early. I graduated. I was 17 in Howard as a freshman. Thought I was thought I was okay. going to get no I thought I knew everything. How you put me on a waiting list back in 1992? I got into Syracuse. I got in Virginia State, but they put me on a waiting list. So that's Damn. a big deal. Cause how it was like a big deal back then for you to, you know, so. Yeah, you know, for sure. That was the only school I applied to. Like if I didn't make it in, there, into it, I just wouldn't have been in school. Um, I had basketball scholarships and stuff like that, offers and stuff like that around the area of Massachusetts and stuff. But I just, I wanted to go to Howard. <laughs> oh, really? So you was a hooper back in the days. You played ball. Yeah, I, I, played, I played ball, you know, I played AAU ball, I played ball for my high school, Brockton High School, Brockton, Massachusetts, the boxers. And my senior year was ranked like 22 in the nation by the USA Today thing that comes out. And yeah, oh, coach, man. coach Vic Ortiz was our coach. He was a legendary coach. And really? we had cats on our team that went to, you know, Curtis, you know, um, Jackson that went to DePaul. Um, Curtis Bostic went to the University of Cincinnati. Troy Bostic. Um, Orlando Vandross became a coach, like a real big coach all throughout. Um, I think wow. he went to FIC and some other places. But there was a lot of talent on our team. Michael Shelby. You know, just, right. you know, we played against Cambridge Ridge and Latin. Patrick Ewan's high school was our rival high school. Ramil oh, Robinson really? was somebody who we played against who ended up going pro, you know, played for Michigan and went pro and stuff like that. But Coach Russell Jarvis was the coach of that team, a legendary coach in his own right and stuff like that. The high school coach for Pat. He and the coach. Is he related Brown. to Mike Jarvis? Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Mike Jarvis was the coach. Oh, Mike Jarvis. Was his son. Yeah, Mike Jarvis was the coach. And yeah, he had a Mike Jarvis Jr. Yeah. When I was at St. John's. Yeah, so that coach came from Cambridge and Latin. My right yeah. high school he was that coach. And That's stuff like right. That. So they are from Massachusetts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that yes. was. Oh, Jarvis is the, is the man. I was gonna say was the man. He's, he's the man. 
And yes. so, um, you know, I played ball against them cats. That was our rival school. And, you know, Lance died. And there was a couple of cats on that gym, Ash Hill. That was just, just, just crazy, though. You know, and that was just forging metal meets metal. And I played AAU ball. I, I started, you know, I made the, the team out of all the kids in Massachusetts. It was only like 16 spots, like 300 kids trying out. So I was balling. I had like a 38-inch vertical, you know, wow. saying I was 6'2", 180, you know. So, oh, so yeah, you was the you was the average basketball player there. Yeah, that that the size right there. That was it back in the day. Yeah, back then, shooting guard. You know what I mean? Shooting guard, yeah. And so wow. it was fun. You know, I played ball. I had house. I was trying to dunk on everybody in mama when I went to Howard. You know, I, <laughs> I was sneaking in basket hang just a little bit of half court. My boy is still the ball. I take off. He throw it. I'm, I'm sideways Jordan. It boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or did you try out for the team? I was going to try out. This is the truth right here. I was going to try out and I was naive to the protocol. And I had been playing like the guys that were going to try out play ball with each other all summer long, cross street at Banneker. It was like all a good run would be at Banneker cross street and then downstairs in the um, old gym and the intramural. And I was balling out, dunking on everybody. I was like, you know, it's like six of us. I was like at least one of the top two. And so when tryout time came, it was like five o'clock in the morning. It was still black outside. I got up there, ready to go on the court and show what I know. And the dude stopped me. He was like, yo, where's your white slip? And I was like, what white slip? He was like, you had to have a drug test to come try out. I was like, yo, I ain't know, you know, I thought we just try out. And if you like us and we got a chance to make the squad, then we go do all the stuff that's right. necessary to make sure we, you know, I didn't know I had to have that just to try out. So right. they didn't let me try out. So I'm sitting there watching kids that I used to just straight bang on you know <laughs> make, make the right. squad. you know what i mean a couple of dudes that did play like ralph josie just a point guard he was nasty he was like a local he was nasty yeah. but it was you know but everybody else out there i had game for you know i had work for that but was a big thing pan out the shot happened so i'm not mad at it you know yeah, like, no you can't out. be mad at, mad at that so <laughs> no one, okay so you you okay so you came from a family background of education so you was mm-hmm. expected you know, to go on to school, which you did and you finished, but yeah. you took a pause to join the group Shy when you met up with your brothers at Shy. Okay, what was that transition like for you and your family? What, what, the, when we what got a deal or just? You telling your family, listen, hey, you know, I, I know what, you know, what you expect of me, you know, what my goal set out to do, you know, going to get an education, but I'm pausing right now because I want, you know, I want to go with my brother Shy, you know, the well, group on this group and you know my pops was all for it because that was like his dream you know he was in the air force and he was in the singing group and they was traveling all over the world i think it was called the mystics and so he never really got to totally fulfill that outside of the context of the air force um Mm -hmm. but they they won all the competitions like they got a little popularity within that circle and so when i played him the song if i ever as our demo and he was like damn and um you know that you know he was like well yo if if and then when the, the, the record deal stuff started materializing, he was like, bruh, go for your dream. This is once in a lifetime. Like, you know, right, just go, right. do that. But mom was a little more skeptical because she wanted me to be able to fall back on something. And as a mother would, you know, she as didn't know how to you know, really if we would get signed. And, and, you know, if I ever was like, she was like, it's a beautiful song, but you know, the industry and, you know, just, you know, and then when the deal materialized and a few weeks after that, we were in Arsenio Hall and I was flying my mom to LA to come to Arsenio Hall show to watch me. Then that's when she was like, dang, this boy, this boy really didn't do it. Yeah. Like, this boy is really in the industry for real. Like, this is this is really happening. And then two weeks later, Jay Leno, and, you know, then the rest is. Was so it just so, happened that fast like that. Instant sensation. It was I crazy. And then as soon as it happened, we were overseas in Europe. We didn't, early on, we didn't get a chance to be in the States 
capitalizing off of our newly found kind of celebrity and stuff like that. People knew the song. They didn't know what we looked like yet because we didn't even right. do the video yet. We were still right. doing promotional tour because our label, MCA, our president at the time, Randy Phillips, had real great relationships with the European market and MTV and all those different resources overseas right. that buy right. records and break albums. So they got us over there and broke us over there. Like we was mass. We were like huge over there before we even came back to the States. Really? You know? So yeah, you know, we were late to it. And then because of that too, black radio felt like we alienated them. They thought we were calling the shots when it was our label doing all this oh. stuff. But when we caught wind of the fact that they were looking at us sideways, because groups like Silk and you know H-Town had ingratiated themselves with black radio, you know, they, they were like, What's up with Shy? You know, brother went to Howard, they're gonna try to be all stuck up. But it wasn't us. She was just we right. were just was trying to record deal and the label said go here. We was gonna label then we yeah. realized that we had to get a critical thinking eye to it and like look. We can't edit. So we had to pull a few power moves, you know, that cost us relationships to make sure we went to black radio stations from that point. Even mm. going as far as doing Baby I'm Yours video back at Howard's campus to show people, yo, we right, can't. Right, right. And also to make it be a promotional tool to make people want to come to Howard too. But to let people know this is where we come from. There's no way we sell now. We come from right, the Mecca. Right, right, and right. I was in the nation of Islam for crying out loud. Like, Y'all don't y'all know who y'all really dealing with with me. People got it twisted on the outside looking in. They don't really know my background. but. Yeah, so it was all of that going. I was like, we nah, we're not gonna be labeled like that by the by the radio station. We gotta really sit down and let them know what it is. So we kind of straightened it out by releasing Comforter. We had to dare our label to release Comforter before releasing Baby I'm Yours. Mm -hmm. They were never gonna release Comforter. They thought really? that everybody was. They thought that they didn't have the. They didn't realize. You know, we kept telling them as human commodities who are in the marketplace, but we're commodities. But we human, so we can hear what people want and hear what they talk right. about. And all the heads in the hood was like, "Yo, I love that. If I ever jump on yo, my joint is comforting, yo, my joint." So we go back to our label and report out as product that can speak. Yo, the, the marketplace is feeling comforted. And basically, they treated us like you know, like how they did LeBron with "Shut Up and Dribble." They basically yeah. treated us like you know, just shut up and, and play your part. And let us do this business thing. Right, and so right. Being Howard, Howard dudes, we stood on our square and was like, "Nah, man, I'm telling you." So instead of just dismissing us, which they actually would have the power to do, they wanted to make us look bad. So they were like, okay, we're going to put out your comforter and show you what's what. So they put no money behind it, put it out for the real cheap video. But on the strength of the appeal of the song, when it became a single, people actually requested it at radio stations. People actually bought it. And without no push, it went to the top 10 on Billboard and it sold gold coming out the gate with no push. Wow. So then they were forced to release Baby I'm Yours next. And they put money behind it to get it played and do all the stuff that they didn't do for Comforter. And they got about the same amount of sales and the same mm -hmm. chart position. So, but right. we would never had Comforter out there had it not been for us telling our label that, you know, it's time for us to Because right. that's a more urban sound than Baby I'm Yours. Ur Baby I'm right. Yours was a dope song, but it was more pop. Right, and, right. Um, so, you know, that's how right. we played it. And we got lucky and got three singles on that first album, which only would have gotten two, I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it. Wow. So we got Jacqueline Love. Up in the comments, she said, You're looking awesome. And I just want to give a shout out to her because when I told her you was coming on a show, she took me all the way back and said, Her and Von Hopper interviewed y'all when you Von Hopper was the man, yo. <laughs> you can put that. That's what she's talking. She's talking to him right now. She interviewed you. I remember when Von Hopper interviewed you from WBLS, The Quiet Storm. This is Jackie Love. Maureen, well, Maureen what's up, bro? Oh, <laughs> oh, right now in America. What? Uh, yeah, Yo, was with me on this wild night one time, man, with us. Like she said, she actually probably saved, saved, saved me and done. <laughs> we got this crazy brawl one time in our promotional tour because our label really? didn't, we didn't have security. Our label didn't really think they didn't really realize what they had. Like so, they put us on a roll with no security. 
So we were on the road with no security in a club. I'm singing the thing, comfort or something, and then some guy was there with this lady at the on the front of the stage, and the girl was kind of you know spazzing out a little bit, you know, you know, she kind of lost it for a second. She didn't realize she was with a man or something, and wow. so dude was kind of like kind of pissed off about it and kind of mouthed and stuff. I mean, you know, I, I kind of clapped back, and next thing you know. Mid show, it was just on. I mean, you know, we was really? go in, and it was a big bro, you know. And, and the but SWV's bodyguards like caught caught me in mid air. I was diving on the pile. They caught me in mid air and took me outside to what was really? what, 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 in the limo. It was crazy. They, they but it was like it would have been bad. It would have been all bad. I think I broke a Heineken bottle. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, wow. Was, those yeah. days were just wild. We was just young and crazy and just wild, and you know, we having fun. We were hiring people, but you know. We have a security man. We had to we had to defend ourselves, and so you know, it was just crazy. Right. But those yeah, are the fun days. Said, um, she remember you at the nineties. Jackie Love said. Maureen said hello, and said she remember you at um at the nineties at Madison Square Garden at the Budweiser Super Fest. Silky sweat. Amazing. Yeah, that was it. That was everything. The yeah, Super Fest was everything. Yeah. That was like He's Al right. Heyman put on a hell of a your production. That's where. Shy SWV H Town J Silk. Yes. That's what we all kind of came out of and got our stripes, you know, when we started. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? And the band that they work with us. It's my day. So let's just talk, let's take it back back when when you and Shy, when the group first started out and everything. So you said um if I ever was your demo. It was our demo, it became our demo. At first, originally it was just our practice song. We just created an acapella song. You know, to like to practice our long notes, the harmonies, the blend, the crescendos, the breath control. It was a song that had all the elements to make us make sure we were on point with all that. And we would sing it for, on a, or we practiced. That's the song. It, we would sing Comforter, Baby I'm Yours, and If I Ever as our practice songs, a cappella, or sometimes with piano accompaniment down in the fine arts right. um, building in the, in the little soundproof rooms. We would go down there and sing those songs over and over and over and over again just to get you know, our, our harmonies tight and stuff like that. So when we did this one show, the only show we did was this one show before we got a record deal. And we did that at Crampton Auditorium. And it was like Apollo. It was like the football players from the school and the New York crowd would come there. And no matter what the talent was, they, they wanted to beat Apollo so bad. So they just was ready. To, they had drinks in their system and they were ready mm -hmm. to boo people just, just to have fun for them. Right. But, um, the artist was like incredible artists that were there. It was a whole bunch of end up like would be signed to label artists like Eric Robeson and mm. Tracy Lee and Dawn Allen from Pure Soul and Ooh. you know people okay. like that were in this show and then we happened to be in this show too and you know we, we happened to go last I think and um really? we didn't get boo we got an encore we went and did all these voice to men songs and um they loved us and they wanted the encore we came back out and we didn't have any more songs on our little dat tape for our performance what are we gonna do well you want to do a cappella joint all right so we got to the front of the stage and cranked up if I ever and by the and second time the chorus came crazy. around, the crowd was actually singing the chorus. On, never heard the song, wow. but the second time, and because of that effect, and I'm the hard ice grilling dudes was actually singing our joint. We were like, "Yo, if it can hit them like that, let's try to get a record deal with this joint." Because yes. something, something's about this song, and so that's how it went down. And from that point on, I was officially like in the group, and we we went and tried to get this record deal. And but we only did one show before then. Right. Uh, hey, fam. On they say, hey, fam. So you got the ladies What's in the it? comments tonight. They're going to be here for you. <laughs> They're going to be here for you. Definitely got an audience. Even get some panty emojis thrown up in here, too. Now, have you ever had that happen? You panties thrown to you on the stage and stuff? <laughs> only, only like people think, you know, that's, that happens a lot. You know, I, for me, I, it happened like twice. Like maybe it two happened like twice. Into so their, yeah, it only like twice. 
But I know a lot of artists that always get fannies thrown at them. <laughs> I just, you know, we just never, I, you know, I guess because I don't know why. It just, you know, it happened overseas, like Jamaica. Right, you know, right. And uh, right. somewhere else we were, like a Midwestern state. Some lady did it at a show. And it got stuck to my shades, like the panties was hanging off my shades. Oh, <laughs> I was <wow>. like, so, <laughs> I was trying to get them <laughs> because I, I sing a lot with my eyes closed, right? And I have my shades on, so people probably know I have my eyes closed. So I felt something hit my head, but it was soft, so I didn't think nothing of it. And I just had my eyes closed, just doing my thing. And when I opened my eyes, it was this thing hanging down. It wasn't touching my skin; it was just kind of over, yeah. Right and then I was like, "What the hell?" And I was trying to pick it, and I realized this: this is, this is panties. I saw the little white cotton part. I was like, this is that was the only time. That was the only time. <laughs> That's so, perfect accuracy, though, to hit some shades like that. They got me. They got me. They got me. So yeah, that, um, that now, how, like, when you, 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 y'all, Sean met at Howard. Y'all didn't know each yes. other before Howard. Howard, Howard Ice. Like, Darnell is my roommate freshman year when I was 17. Okay. We thought about Howard. And then the other two guys. Were Alpha Phi Alpha members, all three of those dudes were alphas together, and the group started based on being alphas. So I came in because that big show I told you about, it was five of them, five right. alphas about to do that show, but two of them right before the show, they kind of, I don't know, I think they chickened out and they quit. So it was only three of them left. I know they I had been, I had been, me and Darnell had kind of like became friends again after he pledged. We kind of like came out tight again. I started hanging out with him. So I would go to his rehearsals with his group at the time, and I was just in there without a job, and I still had housing. I was married. My dad had claimed me on his taxes, so my financial aid got revoked. So I didn't have classes at the time, but um, I had a temp job. But a big two weeks would go by, I wouldn't get to get a job. So I was just hanging out with Darnell at the fine arts room. So I learned all the parts by osmosis. And when the dudes quit, he was like, "Yo, gee, we need a fourth member for this show, yo. I know you know the bass parts." I was like, "I, I done picked up the bass. You right, you right." So I, that's how I ended up being in shy because I agreed to do that show with them when those two dudes quit. Wow. And that's how I was a guy that's not an alpha in the group that originally was supposed to be all alpha, five alpha members. Oh, so they was originally supposed to all be alpha men. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And I just kind of yeah. happened to be at the right space at the right time when they need that fourth member to do this show because they, they went from five part harmony to just three. And you need, you know, you need at least yeah. three notes and then an octave right, right. You know, to have a sound like that. So, and I knew I did, I did kind of like learn all the bass parts just by being in there all, all every day for like four or five months practicing and um so then you know by the time we did that show we were seasoned like we were just we had it so tight you know and right. i ended up just staying in the group and then we ended up trying to get a record deal after that and from there right. we actually got it and i was in shock right you know? right so you you a bass singer right so well like, i think i can sing i don't consider myself a bass singer but a lot of times we shy i do oh. the bass notes right but like the dude from the Temptations and stuff like that's a bass singer. Like right, and I was like, about to ask, like are those are some of like, the idols people you looked up to, and you. Oh hell yeah, them. I looked up to all those dudes from that era. Because well, like, <laughs> every single one, like we just did a show two nights ago in Pueblo, Colorado, and we had a lot of old school groups in there too, like on um, Sly Slick and Wicked, like the old heads, and they they give us props first of all, which is always right. just like dang, they giving us props. You know, these dudes are our idols, and um, right. but um. He let us know that they appreciate what we did, but we told them we standing on their shoulders. You know, y'all are the giants we standing mm -hmm. on. And a lot of the stuff that we learned that we supposed to be conscious of, like you need to have a base in your situation. You need, we learned it from y'all's dynamics and stuff like that. We right, wouldn't have known right. that you're supposed to have that in the mix had it not been for us really digging what y'all did and stuff like that. So they appreciated right. that. But I do bass, I, you know, I got a falsetto. I, I, I do different little things. I got my own little 
little version. And on this acapella album that's coming out um, mm -hmm. called Off Track, you'll see all the different, because I'm doing all the instruments. So some of them, I'm doing all the bass lines, I'm doing trumpets, I'm doing string lines, I'm doing yeah. kind of piano things with my voice. And wow. then I'm singing a song on top of that, doing falsetto. So you'll hear like all of these different tenor, baritone, bass, Soprano, yeah, the different type of instruments with your voice. That's what, you're yeah, doing. yeah. It's like a, I'm actually building a real track, it's gonna sound like it's a track, but when you listen to it, it's like it's me. Yeah, but it's right. gonna be EQ to where you know you're gonna have a nice reverb on the snare, and it's oh, gonna man. sound like a full, like a drum, like it's gonna really sound like that. But I'm gonna be singing on top of that. But I'm making up these oh. tracks in my head, but they dope, they coming out dope. I'm, I'm really, it's not like it just envisioning <laughs> it now, like it's super, it's kind of like a real soul vibe, like a neo soul, it's kind of like you can ride to it. Right. Kind of like a vibe, kind of like a, you know, like Solange her album. How you can just ride to Solange album. It's got that tempo. Yeah, Solange, got she's got a nice smooth like. Yeah, yeah. but it's real cleverly arranged. Right. The writing is nice. The arrange, you know, it's it's just a cool feel. You know what I mean? Like something like it's it's in that vein. It's my version, but it's in those kind of Badu esque, Solange esque. Yeah. Maybe some other stuff. Music so childish esque. You know, Badu esque. You know, if you can mix all them and they yeah. can all have a baby, it'll be probably what I'm about to put out. But um, I just want to know, Monet. She was. Are you going to be in Brooklyn? Yeah, <laughs> Brooklyn. I, I always love going to Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn is my man right now. Stay on Troop Street. You know, Quincy and Troop over there. Really? Um, troop. Troop. <laughs> I always say Troop. <laughs> but yeah, right over there. You know, um, Best Eye. Um, but I love Brooklyn, and um, I love New York. Period. Like that's just a dope energy in New York. Yeah. I love Century Twenty One when I want to go buy some clothes. Like that's my really? spot. But um. Yeah, yeah so. I'm from Queens, so I'm up, up here in New York. And yeah, Queens is dope too. Queens, Queens is dope. dope. <laughs> far Rockaway, all the way to Hollis. Queens got it on lock. Oh, I love Queens. Far, far Rockaway, yeah, yep. Far Rockaway. <laughs> so you yeah, know how cool it is down here in Queens. Queens. Queens, come on, the legends come out of Queens, and you can't front. <laughs> you know sure. Yeah, the back in them days too, a lot of um basketball plays came out from Queens too. My favorite ones, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Ron Artest, I went to school with him in St. John's. Yeah. Ron Artest is the, is the man. Uh -huh. yeah. People want to call him crazy, but I love that dude, man. Yeah. So this um this this album you're working on, is, it's your solo project. It's a solo project, yep. Okay. So but it's, I mean, you know, it's ordained by the you know the group. They, you know, since okay. certain fans finally wanted me to do something like that, and, and the group was like, Yeah, you know, and they're gonna some of them gonna appear on some of the songs. Darnell's gonna be on a couple of my joints oh, okay. and stuff like that. So it's like it's with their blessing and stuff. <laughs> you know, right, I'm not right, breaking those right. shot nothing like that. I'm just doing the project. It's, I'm only doing this one too. Right. I just want to my bucket list. I just want to do an album one time to see what you know. And so right, I'm, right, I'm gonna knock right. it out. But D and so myself and Darnell are also doing an album, a D and G project, just the two of us. And this, oh, really? This, oh, and it's different. It's gonna have some of the harmonic elements, but it's gonna be more free, like like some Sly and the Family Stone meets like Ooh. Uh, meets the roots. <laughs> I can't even. It, it's it's a funky, soulful, deep soulful sound, but it's got like elements of hip hop, like that that Slime Family Stone Parliament kind of sound. But then also, because the Parliament Funkadelics used to be the Parliaments before they became Funkadelics, they were singing right, harmony. Right, right, right. So right. it's got a lot of they got a lot of like real understanding of chords and stuff, but it's camouflaged by that funk. But right, we got right. like hip hop, funk, jazz. It's like a like if you can picture Fela mixed with some Pete Rock mixed with some, I can't I can't even explain. But it's fly right. with some Roy Ayers. If wow. you can put all them together, you're gonna get what kind of me and D. So is it in. just y'all um doing like all the productions and everything, or do you have outsiders like? Well, for that album for the D and G project, we doing probably um a few things to get a baseline. 
but there's some other cats that we know that's crazy talented that's in our circle that you know we probably do something um with some of those beats too and stuff like that um i got i got some people you know in my circumference that are just super talented like producers man just along the way you know how you just meet people along the way organically and find out that they're just incredibly talented <laughs> and like right, you know right, and just good right, people yeah. on top of that so y'all click as people but then by the way let's do a project you know i got a lot right. of that popping that i never kind of overused it or nothing like that so it's still right. like, i'll use it for this like okay well yo let's get busy you know gotcha. so, yeah. so now, Shad, you got some new members, right? From yeah, yeah, but they really old heads in the industry, even though they new members. Old heads in the industry. And so, oh, okay. one of them, Dwayne, you know, um, he comes from the group Riff. If you looked at the movie Lean on Me, yes. in the bathroom, oh, there he's one of the dudes in the from the group Riff, and um, he ended up after Riff star started to diminish a little bit. Like three of those guys went to a group called Men of Vision, you know. Let me be mm -hmm. your housekeeper, babe. Yes, Men of Vision. Men of Vision. So Dwayne and I'm going to Men of Vision, right? So in Men of Vision is another dude named G-Fly. So Dwayne ended up being over there with his brother Chill and Mike Best from Riff. They were all over there. And so at a certain point, you know, when they started to dim a little bit, Dwayne and G-Fly, because, you know, we we needed two more members. and But Darnell, Dwayne was part of Riff with dad. Darnell's dad used to manage Riff and was also a school social worker. In, in, oh, okay. um, in Joe Clark, you know, Eastside School, they all went to Eastside. And right, so we right. knew them since we were young boys. You know, Darnell, that was his his friends growing up. They happened to end up being a group riff. So anyway, when we get signed and all that later on, Dwayne and G-Fly end up coming to Shy. And they've been rocking with us for like 12, I guess, 13 years. We've been doing shows with that group, that combination. Wow. So, so yeah. this is basically uh, two groups just combined together. Pretty much. And the crazy part wow. about it, the symmetry, like Darnell and myself, that's Darnell and Garfield, which is a D and G. And then those cats come over, it's Dwayne and, and G Fly. And so it's two G's and wow. two D's. Like it's like a two sets of T D and G. <laughs> got it. It's wow. a cool chemistry, you know what I'm saying? We got the, you know, we we got a cool little look, you know, got a cool little sound still with it. And well, I, I see you yeah, was in Colorado. Uh, you did a performance, so that was all you all together. Yeah, for sure. Right. It's always all four of us. We always do four men. Okay, right. That's, that's how we roll. Yeah. Happy belated birthday, too. Everybody is. I told you about happy birthday the other day, but he's a Libra. Happy birthday. Libra Nation. Yeah, <laughs> Libra. I'm September Libra. So. That's what's up. My mom's birthday, my sister's birthday was a couple of days ago, too. My mom was 16th, and my little sister is 11th. So it's just all these Libras. Really? All over the place. Wow. wow. Okay. So now, I, you know, with something that caught my attention, um, I was um, re reading on you, and you, when you was working on school on your PhD, um, you was working on a project, and it was basically like um, describing the polit the politics and hip hop. Oh, yo, yeah, it wasn't a project; it was a it was a class called the politics of hip hop. Oh, and I was at okay. Cal State Northridge. I helped kind of like refine a curriculum that um, the African American Studies Department Chair, um, Dr. Karen Stanford she had developed she's a political science person but she wanted to create a class that was more engaging in the name of political science and she knew I, even though i was coming back to school as a student still in undergrad setting i was from the industry so she trusted right. me to kind of like inform a little bit of what could be engagement based you know to help me because she wasn't necessarily a hip-hop woman but she right, even knew right. for it and i was a hit even though i'm in r&b i love you know i came up the golden era of r&b is also parallel with the golden era of hip-hop right they yeah side by side. yeah but we, sure we grew up as hip-hop heads even no matter what music you know it was we hip-hop yeah. so i was able to help 
And I was a political science major. So with all of that combination, I was help, able to help her design the course. And then she also let me team teach the course um, while I was in undergrad. It was crazy. Um, but I helped teach teach that. And what it is, um, it's called Politics of Hip Hop. It used, right. it discussed the power dynamics in political science using the hip hop landscape. Like, let me give you right. an example. Like in, in political science or po in politics, you have groups that give money called political action committees, PACs. Mm -hmm. And like they represent certain interests, like the Israel pack is probably one of the strongest one called APAC. When they drop money into a contestant, it's going to give them money enough to have the resources to put out messages to win. But they're going to want something in return from that policy wise. And it's gonna be they're going to get that. Well, the music, that's payola. That's like Puffy or somebody or somebody from an industry perspective that's ahead needing um, the artist to get spins, which impacts their billboard position and all that. So if I give you a certain amount of money, I need you to spend my record. I don't, you don't have to like it. You're getting this money to spend my joint. And it's going to make my artist, not only my artist that's out now, get a certain chart position, but it's going to ingratiate the billboard scenario um, in terms of like other artists that are on my label that are coming through. They're going to be seen favorably because that one was hot. Now I got another one. Like So it's going to set up. So it's worth that money, but it's basically moving on money as opposed to early on phone calls or even somebody telling them to put that on the playlist, like some consulting firm. It was based right. on the program director having a relationship with that artist, same way that, that political action committee has a relationship with that wow. candidate. And so they work the same way, because at the end of the day, both of them got their interest represented with money. Right, and so right. when you put it like that in a class format, when young heads can come in, it's already hip hop heads, and they can see that it's game, and they can see how it looks like something they love, like hip hop, and it's the same powered game dynamic, it's just in the political arena, they more engaged now because they relating to that. Yeah. Now they really interested. Absolutely. Okay, let me see what else happens. Like, and they see themselves in some kind of way. You just jumpstart that. So I then wrote an article about it with her, and it got put into the um International Journal of Africana Studies, a research on that was my first published piece. It was a co-written piece with her on that class in terms of how we constructed it, what the objectives were, and so forth. And so yeah. Uh, that's what that was. The politics like, of that was hot when I was reading. It, I was like, "Wow!" You know, it also sprung board me to my masters because not only did we create a journal, um, we went to present our hip hop um, articles at conferences, educational conferences. Because during that time, around the time Pac had died and all that, hip hop was a sexy right, right. thing in the academic world. Um, right, and so right, we got to right. present our work at conferences, and they liked the way I presented at Georgia State and offered me a fellowship to get a master's degree. There, right. um, in Africana Studies, Black Black Studies, which I got the fellowship and I did my my master's thesis on what actually is African centered education, and um, right. I got uh, the Asa Hilliard Award for the for the best you know um, master's thesis of that, and then I ended up going to get my my doctorate on um 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 the, how Black males navigate inequitable power spaces. I looked at mm. the classroom, Black male bodies in classrooms, how they navigate that power right. dynamic, and I looked at Black male bodies in the music industry. And really, that's just two sides of myself, basically. Right. Yeah. But, basically, um, yeah. 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 But, but I, yeah, I did that, and wow. I got an award for that. You know, with the liberal arts, I got the best dissertation, the best scholar Jesus. award. I mean, you just staying busy, and you took your like. I mean, you just you paused, but you went back for your education with a vengeance. You was like, I'm doing. Yeah, you know, because I just want to yeah. prove that to myself. One, I just wanted to finish something strong yeah. like that, and yeah. I wanted to performance. I just wanted to test myself and see what was the highest level I could. My mind, I wanted to. I wanted to check myself. I thought I was intellectually you know a, a high capacity and i've always functioned that way but i just kind of wanted to see if i could jump in that arena and prove something to myself more than any status that could come with it or it was really kind of for me and my family like you know and then for me to also have a good understanding dynamics wise because the books and the readings were very telling in terms of what they pointed your face at research wise and right. a lot of black males aren't privy to those spaces so 
the gentrification that people see and the neoliberal agenda and all those dynamics, the school to prison pipeline. I was up to the up to date, up to the minute, real, real politic version of what that really was and what was going on. Right. So I learned a lot about what was actually happening in society today. And you talk about Brooklyn gentrification. I think East Brooklyn is probably the only place left that still kind of look like New York, like, yeah. you know, you know, over there in Brownsville, maybe still look like they, Brownsville. They just, yeah, but if you go to Edisfield or if you go to anywhere, and, you know, because the Barclays is there and all that stuff now, all that stuff yeah. that used to be Brooklyn, you know, Franklin Avenue, probably all that, it ain't, it ain't like it was, you know. Yeah, it's not the same. So it's like, it's you know, good. and I see how and why and what the game is and what, you know, so it's yeah. a lot to that. And, um, I'm, right. you know, I, I do programs also I do a lot of different things, initiatives, but they're really non-traditional. I always come in in a real weird way doing some stuff that really counts, you know. That is so hot. So we got Jackie. Jackie Love. Can you bring that down? Of course. Give Coco in the background. Sorry, y'all. Jackie Love. Um, um, she's the one um, from WBLS with you. I'm sorry about Coco. <laughs> me, love. You know what I mean? Put some flour on me. I'll be happy. Yeah, hey, Jackie. <laughs> Jackie said she'd be happy. She said she'd hey. love to style you and everything, have you in a magazine article with you. And hey, check it, right? I got a request if she ever gets to style me. Like, of course, she can, whatever her her preference is and what she sees on my, whatever my swag is, if she can match it up with something fly, you know. But I always wanted to rock some um, fly Moshu that shopping. It was a shop, shopping, I think, Brooklyn called Moshu. It was an African dude. But he had some fly pieces. Um, And I, I, I don't know what happened to the store, if he's still around, but I used to love that guy. Really, you know, well, yeah, M-O-S-H-U-D, it was an African brand, but the stuff was dope for you because she's a fashion icon. She just got an award. Yeah, Word. hey, tell her I'm 100 Jacqueline. Look, I'm with it. <laughs> he's, exactly. he's, ready. he's ready for you to style and jack. Yes, let's face. do this. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> she said, Yes, I'll get with him. So, uh, I have okay. So, we, we're talking about the politics of hip hops, and I, you know, I want to get your out, your um your perspective on the music industry back then when you was in it, you right. know, when you're still in it, but when you started, I'm sorry, when you started, okay, to now, like, what is the transition like? Because back then you had the record labels backing you out, prefer backing you up all the way, you know, as far as the image, as far as, you know, the marketing and everything. And now here you are like 30 years later, basically in a whole new world of streaming and a whole new world of the internet. Like, what is that transition like for y'all? Yeah, that's a hell of a transition because it's, it's a paradigm shift. It ain't even a transition. It's a whole <laughs> modality difference. Like, right. you know, it's the difference between the Flintstones with their feet on the ground with a car and the tires <laughs> happening. Like, it's a whole different. <laughs> and But yeah. it's, it's, it's doper and worse in, in, at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. Because everything was long-handed, the, 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 the aspects of the industry, you know, usually it was surprising because MCA, like your manager literally had to go into the MCA building and connect the art department with the such and such department. Right. And you would think internally they was, but you had to really do that because, but because you had to kind of go in like hand, make them do what they was, you learned all the aspects of the industry, the real hard body parts of it. You learned it because you had to do a long hand and you understood right. the politic of it underneath the level, the machine part of it. Um, which was important, but you were still being pimp. Don't get it twisted because you were under contract. Yeah, and so you yeah. had to find a you had to find a middle of the road where you can sleep at night and save your sanity because you don't feel like you're just totally losing your soul. But at the same time, you start learning that he who cuts the check really controls this. And your your artistry in your mind is really just a product making machine in their mind. So wherever that gray area is, you got to figure that out. 
And so it's, that was different. You, it was hard to control and own yourself and get creative control over your stuff because the right. engine that was always slower than the people who they entered the street, even though because they had the most money in the, in, the, in the game, even though they were slower to adapt to trends and stuff that you were seeing in real time, you couldn't trump them really. Um, if right, they were really right, doing right. all the distribution and the marketing because they was putting them. And so that was hard. So the rise of the independent labels came up because of that. The love faces of the world, like Jermaine right. Cool, okay. the world that can respond quicker to what the street trends, blah, 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 blah. So, but then those same people, like a Jermaine Dupree, is that guy now that's a dope artist that has found a way, like like Chance the Rapper and JD is like really the same kind of guy. Except yeah. that Chance the Rapper was born later on and understood how to pimp the internet to get really exposed, or even Drake for that matter, with the grassy yeah. and all that kind of stuff coming from the internet right. world. And, right, right. Like right. that was a stepping stone for him. You know, and it was easier for him to get mass appeal through being dope in those spaces. Um, Jermaine Dupree, if he was born later on, he would have been one of those guys, is what I'm saying. Or yeah, one of those guys okay, who been born right. earlier, they would have been like a Jermaine Dupree because they would they had an extra understanding earlier on type of thing. Right. And so right. the difference is the reach. You can go directly to the people now. And you don't need a middleman. You don't really need distribution with all the platforms. The right. thing right. is, the streaming game is about to have gatekeepers in such a way to where they're going to pretty much buy people's content out and flip it in a way to where they, they're able to charge things and create a different type of ownership where it's exclusive and different layers of it to where they're making way more money off people's products than the people used to be able to make off of it, even in these times. So be wary of deals that you do with streaming agencies because in a minute, they're going to be able to really, really, really create it to where they can lock people out and just create a, get a lot of revenue far more than you could have dreamed off of your product. If you could have just hung tight and just kept your stuff, yeah so just just you know hold on you know before you, you know try not to get the quick fix right now but and, um and you, and you know Joe, yeah the difference know. is the ownership aspect now is more strong and viable really? you don't have to even be famous to have a nice bank account if you get a little following and that's yeah. cool enough for me yeah. if i was an artist i wouldn't care about being famous if i could feed my family get a steady stream of income and create a kind of a cult little following who appreciated my stuff mm -hmm. that was consistent Yo, that's nothing's messing with that. Like, for real. So it's yours too. Like, it's yours. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. Exactly. So now you now it's based. So now you're in the era before it was like the fans based on like, you know, getting the fans from marketing and stuff. Now it's like getting the fans and stuff from like the in, like Instagram and everything. Which you is know, still marketing, which is still branding. It's, it's a higher level marketing. Right. Actually, they branding like immediately. It's all about branding. Right. They're so brand aware early and young. Like they know about brand. They, they the youngins now branding wise, they dope at branding. They got that on lock. Like they right. get it. So the thing is now is just to make sure that the sustainability aspects of the music right. and the creativity is, is <laughs> stuff is put into that just as much as the psychology around making sure they base is covered. Right. With but they got the game with the branding, like they they killing that. They know what they know how to market themselves. Whether it's creating a a, 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 a tension between somebody else that's going to catapult, you know, whatever it is, they they know how to push buttons and they got right. that. They get it, you know. So right. using that and accompanying that understanding with some dope music, that's what I'm talking about. And, um, and Kid said that a long time ago. He said that it was going to come to a point where number one, the internet was going to be taking over the music industry. Um, and, and to own your masters. Own them joints. Anita Baker just got hers back. I'm so happy for her. Yeah. You know, to make money off that catalog in a crazy kind of way. Like, because everybody loves Anita. And that's those are classic, 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 classic. So 
Absolutely. Those are going to get spun, 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 and she's going to reap all of that. And I love it, man. Like, so that's what time it is. You know, it, um, the guys now don't have to go through 30 years and wait until some contract is over with. They'll have mass appeal and reap their own benefits. And then right. there's even other spaces like the NFT world that even more so as artists, you can own your property. And no matter how many hands it exchanges, it comes right back to you at all times. You know, that kind of those kinds of spaces are proliferating the market now. And it's like it's getting, yeah. getting kind of artist friendly. And, um, you know, you everything on a more internet, Jesus. But there's a lot of creativity underground, too. And there's a lot of like, like no name type of people that people point to out to me on the Internet mm -hmm. that are just kind of just artists that are just out there making music, putting it. And there's some incredible stuff out there like that. I vibe to like, yo, who is this? I mean, it's just some fly like like artists out there. But because no. everybody can be online, it's saturated. Yeah. But, but there's some people who kind of have to have that because the mainstream there's some, I guess people think suspect, whatever, whatever. But if people really look for dope artistry and they want to really have some good music and they wouldn't call up on name brands and people that are out there, they just want to hear some dope sounds. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that on all these sound clouds, on all these different platforms. There's some people making some bomb music. There is, but uh, in your opinion though, with the hip hop and the way hip hop's changed from back in, I'm going to say our days, the 90s, the early 90s, you know what I'm saying? Now, it's like, it's a big shift and change. And now it's like, to me, especially with the rappers and stuff, they're all like sounding alike. And I don't know if it, it, it maybe you thinking like this, but sometimes I can't tell a rapper from a singer. You understand? Well, what yeah, I'm you know, like this, the genres have like the genres, right? But that's you know, that's evolution. You know, thesis, antithesis, create synthesis. And so I'm both of you think, especially if something is coming from the same soulful place the same soulful expressive place of, of a melanated person whether it's hip-hop or r&b it's that same soul quality put into it so at some point when somebody got both of them inside of them and you've been influenced by both of those elements you consume that you're like at some point there's going to be a time when the marriage of that is going to look like it looks now where back right. in the day the marriage of it would be like you know like shy with jay-z rapping and that right, would be the right. mixture of hip hop and R&B. But now you got to, you know, Lil Wayne singing How to Love, had the dopest yeah. R&B song on the planet. But he was Lil Wayne. But that song was the dopest shit I done heard in a minute, like when he came out. Yeah, like, so like, you know, like, so, like, you know what I mean? You know, Chris Brown got got got, got skills. So storming him and Busta Rhymes and, and, and um, somebody else, um, maybe Lil Wayne. Wayne. Like, yeah, you know, like, but it, I believed it. like. Chris Brown got spit, but he, he, it's, that's in him to do. He, even though he's a singer, he's not an either or. He's a kind of a both in. And Drake with the melodies, Drake ain't blowing like Luther, but Drake can hold a note and he understand music enough to make good songs doing that yeah, same melody he's doing. But he's killing it to me. Like, I can't yeah. be mad at Drake. Like, the hell? Yeah. Like, and so he making hits all these years. Yeah. What can you say? You know what I'm saying? People yeah. love Drake. He's dope. So, yeah. But I'm just saying it's just a place where people are embodying both of those because they grew up with it so much. And right, and then now they can make music themselves by doing doing Pro Tools and uploading it to platforms right from their computer and get that mainstream. So more people are trying their hands at different things that used to be just for the professionals. Um, right. And but well, people are people are able to kind of create, you know, things that are catchy. Yeah. Even if you don't right. like it, it's catchy. So it's something in it that's magic that they're doing. They're able to produce. So it's a it's a skill and talent in there. But the expression, I think, the paradigm went from. Like when people think about the slang, this is how I look at the barometer of where people are. Like people used to back in the day, um, the thing was more like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like that's like yeah. an understanding. You understand me? You you know, you know what I'm saying? That's have you thought about is that's a more intellectual kind of like thought process. I, I need to know that you 
have processed me and understood me. But now it moved to, I don't give a fuck, if, excuse my language. I don't, I don't care if you understand no, me. I want to know, do you feel me? So the slang right. went from, you know, you know what I'm saying to feel me. I, you don't even got to know what I'm saying, but you can't, you just feel you that where it's coming right, from is a right. real place. And so yeah. that is a, a closer to me barometer, almost on some ESP. The words don't mean as much as, as the feeling part. And I think that's what crump dancing came from instead of break. Break dancing was technical mm -hmm. skills, popping right. and waving and angles. And crump was just expressive. Like, this is what's in me. I'm going to wear it on my body. And it, if if I feel it dopely, if I feel it enough, you're going to catch the feel behind it of what I'm doing. And I can't really pinpoint what the skills are, but I, I, I feel that. I get that. Right, right, and so it moved right. to that paradigm. And then when it bled into people, rappers with that feeling behind them, that you feel me paradigm, the mumble rap stuff came out of it because yeah. you know, the words don't really, it's, it's the words, you just feel my flow. You know what I'm saying? I'm, and I'm saying something, just know that. But it's more about like, yo, can you feel all my swag, my drip? Through how I'm saying it is is important. I need to let you right. see the style. The drip is what it is like, and that's almost lyrical. But but I'm doing lyrics with it because it's the, the form in this rap. But I'm really showing you that I can express self without you don't need words, man. My juice is so ill. Just feel me. Right. And so people not really getting that because they stuck in the other paradigm of you understand me this, right. and they're not getting right. the feeling. The same feel. way yeah. English teachers used to be mad at text messages. Because they was breaking sentences down and words down and thinking oh, it was right. English. Yeah. But what the teachers weren't taking into consideration, the English ladies, English people, was the fact that these characters used to cost money per letter. And so it's actually in that paradigm brilliant to be able to abbreviate and still get the meaning across because you ain't got to pay as much money to get that message in this few words. So right. I think all of that got to do with each other as a paradigm shift and humans start wanting people to feel the expression. You don't even got to understand me no more. I don't care about that. Right, Do you feel right. me? Because I'm human. If you can feel me, we can cut to the chase. And I right. think those dudes, I'm they're not probably not conscious of what, what I'm saying in that term, but mm -hmm. I think that's what's actually being expressed on the streets. And a lot of people are just like looking at it as bad, but I think it's an evolutionary, kind of more like a revolutionary movement to just being more authentic in your space. Now it's twisted up right now because people dying, it's a lot to it. But I think people are just screaming for authenticity in this world of fake shit. Exactly. And I think it's, I think it's just cool. coming out like Right. The mumble rap, all those kinds of things. People just just get to the essence of this black. I'm just gonna give you pure blackness. And right. you might not know nothing I'm saying. Just like when people listen to Patois and reggae songs, mm -hmm. they love Shaba and all the people they used to listen to, Mad Lion and all that, you know, they be chilling and you know, um, and they don't know what they saying, but the juice is so ill and how they flip right. it, and, uh, you just in it. You don't care, you don't know it's the same thing. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same right. thing, but people don't want to let it be the same thing in their mind, but it's the same place. And I get it, you know what I mean? So that's why I'm just a new school rappers and because right. I see the movement and I see where it's coming see from. Where it's coming from. And it's a real place it's really coming from. It's like, just like how people want to call Ebonics some kind of wild expression of English, but it actually has go is governed by language rules, right, same syntactical right. rules that Spanish is governed by pretty much, the same mm -hmm. subject predicate placement and the verb to be, how it represents, you know, what happens over a long period. It's like semantical structure to that. It ain't just some right. willy-williness. And so right. it's the same thing that's happening here. It's a own it's it's an ownership piece, but it's just coming out so raw. It's offending people with everything that came through our culture that was raw, like Bop back in the jazz days. It's an expressive. It's the same thing. Bop is the same thing as what we're hearing now, but it was just the music of jazz was considered a higher class genre, so they didn't ever right. look. Bop at that time was like gutter to a lot of people. Oh, what's that garbage you playing that? They want to hear the smooth. So yeah. it was more lyric. The dude that was Bop musicians back then would have been Wu Tang Clan right now. 
Right. Well, Wu Tang right, was born right. back in them days. They would have been the bop, the bebop type music. Right. It's right. the same feeling, you know. The phrasing, right. Buster Rhymes with the bop music. It's the same. It's the, they just one got a horn and one got his mouth and it's hip hop time. It's the same right. feeling. It's right. a it's a it's a need to express some inner 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 shit. Inner shit, you know? right? You just gotta so, let that come into existence, and finally it'll grow legs, and then it'll get to an intellectualization of that inner shit. But the right. inner shit gotta come out raw first, ugly. Right. <laughs> and then for real, I'm, I'm I'm so serious, and then it's gonna I grow know, and more refined and beautiful. But keeping the essence though. Right. So we got people up in the comments. We got people who call in. Now we got somebody who's just been a fan of yours. Uh, one of the young, uh, one of the youngsters, been a fan of yours for like ever. Matter of fact, what? This, no, when I say, but <laughs> it's just my nephew. Okay, they, they thought they were shy when you first came out. They used to sit on the step, my step, every night, singing "If I Ever." That's so dope. You know, now, now listen. <laughs> the you know the neighbors wasn't nice because they didn't sound like shy, but they they right. were the same. So my nephew he called in and he just wanted to just say hi to you and say thank you. He's oh, right hey, that's a blessing. I, I appreciate that love and um thank you for you know taking the extra step to even reach out to express that. I free and I'm glad y'all was rocking the joints, man. That 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 does my heart yeah. some good for sure. So thank you. Garfield, man, listen, man. That, that that song right there plagued my life for the last 29, 28 years, man. Wow, veteran. Uh, let me tell you about that song right there, man. That is the one, the only R&B song that I know every word entirely today. Wow. Uh, Big ups, my man. I, I appreciate that, fam. Powerful. I'm talking about nigga. I, we was shy. We was young. We was young. <laughs> we was trying to go to the Apollo. Time to tell him. trying to go to the Apollo. Yes, I love you, man. Word up. I love that. <laughs> Let me tell you another thing. I'm, 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 I'm in the pens right now, right? Listen, Word. When I got a chance, you know, he started giving us all tablets and, 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 and all state pens, right? right? Yeah. One, one of the first songs I got was If I Ever Fall In Love. Wow, man. Timing, man. Yo, I'm so honored, bro, that, that you got an attachment to that. And a song that I helped create is a part of your your, your world like that, man. I, I appreciate that. I can never hear that enough or get used to that. That's just incredible. Because I got songs that do that for me, you know what I mean? And to think that I am part of something, you know, that's just crazy. It's kind of surreal. So when she told me, yo, Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you, man, for sure. I really do.
Y'all with me? Yes, we sir. with you, <laughs> Yeah, you had your stuff. All right, all right. Mm -hmm. I just have my tea, my honey. Hold on. It's all right. Hold on. All right, hold on. All right. Here we go. The very first time. Be nice, y'all. Hello. Hello. I know my dear, you were the one. But I was Somewhere where he is when he get when he get out from up, up north, we're gonna we got to put him on stage or something. <laughs> Wherever city, whatever city he is, we got to bring him to the top. We got to bring him up. <laughs> Yo, listen, it's an honor, it's, a, it's an honor, my brother, man. You stay good. I, I hear you talking. You, everything you say makes sense, man. You are blessed, man. Tell the tell the tell the fellas, tell the fellas, I said hello, and I'm yes. getting on tour. I'm not yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, my brother. Well, you stay up, man. Stay strong and everything, man. For sure. He was really a true diehard fan. And actually, um, just to pull you in, this is one of our segments that we have called Inside Voices. Uh -huh. um, we actually have, um, you know, inmates that get to call up and tell their stories and stuff. Okay. Okay. You, know, you know, tell their stories about, you know, what they're going through. Just something to give back to the community and stuff, right. you know. He's either actually one of them who called him. When, he, when I told him, you know, I was interviewing you, he said, oh, I got to call and say hi to him. But thank you, know, you so energy, much. The energy was bomb. The energy thank was bomb. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank oh, you nah, so much. Oh, no, that was my pleasure. Yeah. Right like, that means a lot to me to know the brother, like, that's helping him get, you know, that's just. Yes, you know, yes. On, thank man. you so much. So uh, I want to get into this book. Can we talk about this book? Yeah. Because, I mean, like, you're just doing it all. And it's just like. So amazing. Like, just tell us what this book is about. You know, I know what it's, uh, you know, I read a little of, not the book, but I read what it was about. But just let the audience know um, the name of it and tell them what it's about, what you've been working on. 
Okay, well, the name of the book is called Lotus 3013. It takes place in the year 3013. And um, before I get into the premise of it, if you can just visualize um, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, um, Star Wars, and Beach Street, if you can go back to Beach Street. You oh know, my God. Awesome. If you can mix those together, that's what this book kind of feels like. Um, all those there's elements of all of that in that book. And in the year 3013, hip hop is believed to be created, you know, be a, be a white cultural production. There's no trace of it being created by black folks in 3013. And the, there's this thing that's resurfaced called neo hip hop, where scientists have studied, you know, the X factor and try to isolate the X factor that makes hip hop magnetic so they can take that and isolate it and build like societal structures with that, that drip like um, architecture and things like that transfer to other modes to attract more, you know, more business and stuff. Cause it's something magnetic about the quality of the creativity. So they've learned to isolate that creative. And, but what they're really getting it from is the prison class that they've created. They created a prison class full of people who used to identify as hip hoppers. And, you know, they basically study their brainwave matrix for the different things on how they think and the distant, they trying to get that X factor and they juice, the, the geodetic grid of the earth with their their energy to keep these structures sustainable. It has to be authentic hip hop energy. Anyway, it's a forces of good and forces of evil type of thing. There's a battle, and at the end, there's a surprise ending. But it, it, the, this penal <laughs> this penal class ends up running things, but with a different paradigm. Um, and there's a, a young guy named Elijah Wallace. There's a school in there called Hip Hop U, but the main name is called Russell Simmons Institute of Cultural Technology, and it's an okay. underground hip hop school where a lot of these people who have been shunned with, for the hip hop association, get to express that, learn about it, but also learn about chi consciousness. Um, and so it's a, it's a lot of stuff along with it that allows them to be telepathic and telekinetic using wow. hip hop cadences. They only speak in eight, 12, 24, 32 um, um, bar rhyme increments. They can take any concept and I mean, they speak telepathically and only in rhyme increment because it has been discovered, one, that voice, not DNA or fingerprints is the truest, most accurate quality of a human individual the resonance of a person's vocal quality is the most authentic and then two um um things that are put into your brain through cadence just like your abcs that got got put to a rhythm and a melody and that's how you end right. up learning real quick well it was proven that the most economic expression of thoughts is through rhythmic cadence because people can retrieve it easier because the way it goes in is through packets of rhythm right and um, right. And, and if you can condense concepts into a, the, the small bandwidth of 12 24 bar verses and not lose any um any any meat in translation that you've done your job and in my book it's called phrase physics and word economy those are the things that get mastered in hip-hop you and they you know it's just a lot of things that they do there's a lot of stuff it's these battles that go along go on and how to preserve there's this thing called the hall of masters that's offset in the fourth dimensional brain world that actually is the last bastion of proof that hip-hop is black and latino and it holds all the rec master recordings all the interviews on mtv all the records all the paraphernalia that of, of thousands of years ago when hip-hop was coming out of the bronx um you know black you know um right, black right. Black, you know it shows the proof of that but it's offset in the fourth dimension and protected by these people called the netics that protect hip-hop um and i'm trying to they, they make sure that the prisoners understand where hip-hop came from and so the satillians is the antagonist they are always trying to get to that fourth dimensional brain world to destroy the last bastion of proof that hip-hop was black so they can keep their narrative going and keep everybody trapped in a perpetual present, not being able to connect to the history so they can find out the truth about where the creativity and stuff was coming from. But it's it's a lot to it, man. But it's gonna be dope. I mean, it just sounds way so and Jackie wanna know where we can get this from. That's what she's saying. Yeah, I mean, yep, that's right. 
I'm a, I'm gonna sell it straight off of my um my IG platform because I finally got you know I, I got 11k now you know I'm late to the thing but I've got enough now where I can monetize you know you can sell stuff and right, so I'm gonna right. sell my book from that straight to the people who I know want to buy it like my fans I'm not going to Amazon and letting and splitting right. everything with them and all. I'm gonna go straight to the people who want to buy it boom I'm gonna sell the audio book which my sons who are Grammy nominated for stuff they did with like Post Malone and Fergie or whatever. They did the score to my audiobook and it's incredible. Like underneath one of my narration, they got the, the actual scenes, like you know, like in a movie, the music underneath scenes, and that's happening. So I'm selling the audiobook and the ebook um mm -hmm. with the artwork, that whole thing for twenty dollars. And so wow. um, it'll okay. be it'll be ready. Yeah, I'm getting it, I'm getting the marketing materials ready now. I got this huge file of each chapter that I gotta get condensed down so I can create a link, a zip file to where to make it easier when people pay for it i could just give them that link and, and it, it, they can download stuff real you know so i'm just trying to get all that logistical oh, stuff ready. it sounds like you are so up that is dope it sounds like you're so up to times because a lot of people like a lot of people because you know me i'm I, me and you we come from the same the, it's the same era you understand what i'm saying and it was like it was a big huge like transition for us you know what I'm Word. So you there i mean you're saying stuff that I, i'm like technically i'm like wow i'm like you're doing no, all this no, don't I don't get it twisted in a book i ain't gonna take no crazy credit for being no tech savvy dude I, you know what it is it's like i own like okay i own like a four or five lemons in a row like car wise when i was living in la i used to get cars from the auction and uh -huh. i got some dope ones but then they end up being lemons and, and, it, and i came from a place of not knowing how to fix a car so because of what was happening to my different vehicles, learning how to fix them little different things along the way, I ended up becoming kind of dope at like fixing certain shit that I didn't have any. Same with, right. with this. I got to this grab program and bought this Mac computer and it opened me up in terms of the stuff I need to be able to do on it in terms of all the different technical things you could do. I had to learn all of that. But after I learned it, it opened me up to being able to kind of be a little bit more cable ready for other things that my right. old school self didn't realize I was able. Now I look at it and I hear myself talking. It's like, dang, I guess yeah, you should have like, this before. Hey. Lord, got a new. It's like a new age book of Eli. Like, have you right. seen that movie yeah, with Denzel? It's like I'm that, but in a hip hop man. And and I swear, I, I'm impressed by. It, but I'm all, I, I I'm hard on myself, and I really I can actually sit up here and really with the surety say, yo, this is a dope book. You know, <laughs> it's not like because I got a vivid imagination. So as you was laying it out, I'm like, I picture everything like a demolition man type of oh, film with this gritty type hip hop. Oh, I'm like, God. oh yeah, I gotta get this when you drop. It's time portals in it. It's you know, it's not no outlandish magic, but it's like people with the telekinetic and telepathic abilities. It's things that right. can happen within that, and then it's wave frequency specialists who can create. They can like create barricades like okay so the place that the netics the, the protagonist the crew lives mm -hmm. like the whole eastern seaboard got anyway got blown up the new capital of the united states is detroit and the, the eastern coast goes all the way down from detroit to texas it ain't no more new york and all that it's underwater but um the bed star station in new york is where the netics live and they got these energy weavers that through their energetic abilities are able to keep the water off you know, they demarcated the area where the, the weavers keep the water from overflowing into the best star station that they've retrofitted into their living quarters. And so it's like a whole lot of stuff. Like at all times, they got four of them stationed at the four corners, keeping the energy going to where the water stays in the structure that doesn't interfere with where they stay. And they keep the water from and they live there. The water is full of et, uh, methane because of the explosion that happened, and which is the whole thing you hear in the book, why that went down. But um, these these netics, 
they use power, they use energy. They, they, people have become really energy conscious in the year 2013. And some people have built up their abilities to manipulate it. And, wow. and it's like a lot. So you see brothers with hoodies on, they got this extra understanding of energy and they're able to kind of like, it's, it's a lot of stuff. It's some dope Word. stuff to it, man. It's just- The city of Atlantis eat your heart out. He just topped right. down real quick. It's so a crazy wait. joint. When you first started setting out and working on this book, like what was the first thing, the idea, or how did your creative process start with this book here? Because it just seems like a lot. Like, well, it came out. It's funny, full circle. Let's go back to the politics of hip hop. In that class, some of the people who were in the organization that we later formed called the Politics of Hip Hop, because we created a journal and we had like a little group um, called the Hip Hop Think Tank that came out of it. Um, One of the dudes was really, really fascinated at the time because Fifty Cent was just coming on the scene. And the world was revolving around 50 Cent. I mean, it was like, and that was the beginning of like the authentic, authenticity kind of like movement in rap. This dude had been shot five times. Right. People saw him as extra, extra, extra authentic. And his songs was incredible songs. So the combination of the mystique behind them and the songs being as dope as they were, just catapulted that style of those ingredients to like, we need to have this in whoever rapper is going to be. And because right. of that, he was writing about the present state of hip hop. One of my dudes in, in the hip hop think tank was writing about the present state of hip hop and what it looked like and where, it, where this trend started was taking it from what it used to be. I was like, dang, I'll do a part two to what you're doing that's in the way in the future to see where hip hop went. And yeah. so that's why I started formulating the little infinitesimals of the ideas of what was going to end up becoming oh. Lotus 3013. Me just speculating. What was the crazy worst case scenario for where hip hop could end up in the future? And what I came up with, hip hop could be so co-opted because it's on that way now. Like you got commercials literally hip hopped out with no black people in them, but it could be so co-opted that hip hop can be forgotten to be actually from a black or Latino root. It could be totally believed to be a white cultural product over time. And that got me thinking like, dang, that's a viable like probability that could really happen the way it's going. And, um, and, and so, you're right about that with the Latino part, because if you remember that show called The Get Down, because this show yeah. basically that the was B Boys, yeah, graffiti artists. Let's not get it twisted. The five elements, the D, some of the DJs, mm-hmm. the five elements of hip hop. Look, maybe maybe not as much with the MC game early on, but the rest mm-hmm. of the elements, the Puerto Ricans was was, was was right there with the brothers. Like they had it, they had it. They had you know, it. Look they at crazy legs it. in NYC. You know, look at crazy legs in them. Like you know, mm-hmm. soap and all. Maybe soap and all mm-hmm. them. And the, the breaking. You had Mr. Wiggles in there and all that. But but crazy legs and this crew, rock steady in them. They was like like right. reaching up and they was the they yeah. everybody. You know what I mean? It wasn't even like <laughs> no questions. Yeah. So, you know. So this book. And everything when you when you when when you um so everybody can find it on your IG page right? They're gonna be able to find it on my IG page, and I'll, I'll be having trailers and stuff. I'm creating the trailers now and little information like what we just talked about. I got stuff, little short packets of me talking about it, and um, so people can start seeing this about to come out. And then about three weeks after I like start that, then I'm gonna release it. So I'm thinking it's gonna be you know no later than you know early in January and stuff like that. I'm moving it back because I wanted to be done right. So I want. I want everything to be so as soon as people get interested and they want to push PayPal, boom, boom, they get the book, the $20 exchanges, they get the link, and then they get all the stuff, all the artwork in both books, the audio book as well as the ebook. And, I, and I'm thinking sure. about after that book, I'm thinking about you can turn that into a movie or something. Yeah, I've been thinking about a series because, you know, a lot of people who know the concept and who've read like little sides from it, they, you know, they like, yo, this needs to be animated or this needs, you know, because it's real visual. 
And it's a different kind of world. It is like that Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, but it is yeah. Beach Street too. The Beach Street part is real prominent in it too. And so it's like, yeah, it's made for TV. I think so. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get it. You know, I'm gonna get a screenplay done for it or something to, to adapt it. But I, I really want to make it animated, like an animated kind of series. Yeah, yeah. yeah it needs like, to be I an anime world. Type of, you know. Because yeah. you meant for some reason y'all like animated stuff because men like, like watch cartoons, but that I can see animated and stuff. And yep, I want to I want to get that off. I really want to. So I got a couple of people that I've been kind of like talking to that are interested. So I have to get when I get it to that point. Um, then I, I you know, we're gonna see how it sells first and what the feedback is and what people like and what they don't. And I'm gonna take all of that consideration and try to like you know you put that back into the situation and produce a product visually um, through animation that has the elements. Cause I'm gonna have to abbreviate a little bit. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what people really like about the plot line. And I'm gonna try to see what really is catchy about the visual and try to marry those two in a sweet spot kind of way to where people get the most out of it. So that's gonna take a little bit to get that, but I'm gonna get that and um, you know. Right. Well, we are gonna take a little commercial break before we wrap up and when we come back, Steady got a few things for you. And okay, we're right gonna, we gonna take a little commercial break We'll be right back, audience, with Dr. Garfield Bright, because we're not going to let that go tonight. We don't call them, <laughs> we don't call them Garfield, but we are going to recognize that doctor. But we'll be back in a few minutes, and then Steady's going to put something up there for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, I'm Alistair Boxhill, and I'm both passionate and committed to helping you win through understanding the power of credit and your own financial literacy. See, financial literacy wasn't something that I was taught in school. I had no idea what made up my personal credit score or what the proper credit utilization was or even what the impact of me not paying my bills on time would have on my credit scores. As a result, I suffered with bad credit for a very long time. I just couldn't get out of my own way. You know, I was never the person that didn't make money. I've always been a go-getter but the lack of knowledge and the tools really had a huge impact on me. I'm definitely a testimony that you can overcome bad credit. I personally had repossessions along with various collections accounts removed from my credit profile, which has allowed me to get my buying power back. Today, I'm passionate about helping you to win and to overcome your bad credit and to take charge of your financial future. That bankruptcy, that repossession, those medical bills, those student loans, it does not have to define you. If you're ready for change and to take charge of your financial future, I'm ready to work with you. Connect with me on social media, on Instagram, Alistair Boxer, on Facebook, Alistair Boxer, or you can email me at alistairboxhillgmail.com for a free consultation. Looking forward to working with you. I, that was dope. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Word. I like that y'all do that, man. That's 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 powerful that y'all got that popping like yeah, that. Yeah, they was on yeah. a um show um a couple of weeks ago and stuff talking about financial literacy and credit repair, which is very important and stuff. And you know, and I was just expressing how I think we should start with our youth at a young age, just to let them know how important you. I mean, Garfield, you got kids. You got children. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. It's like so, and I like at a young age, these children should start knowing like what it means to have good credit. 
So many of them knows what it is to spend the money. They don't know, you know, how it is like just to make sure that credit is right. And that's why we had them on it. It's dope. We like they got like a real, real good, good program for everybody to come in and stuff that needs help repairing their credit and stuff and controlling yeah. finances. But yeah, that's dope. That's <laughs> and everything. That's so dope. when we have our guests on, we like to, you know, have a little fun and stuff. So we um uh, we thought it was dope for you. Being you came from the 90s era and stuff with your music and everything, we just want to see you know how good your ear is. So, we're not right. three or well, how many tracks you got because we're not gonna do one total. I know we're, we're not gonna do, do the whole 10. Ten. We're not gonna do 10, <laughs> we're not gonna do 10, but we just want to put something on to see if you can figure it out. All right, <laughs> let's do it, let's try it, let's see what it is. All right, say no more. No. Wow. Wait, that got me. But it looked like he knows what it is. And I think I know what it is. I said <laughs> he it. got the open melody. That's what got it. What's the you know Huh? Know yeah. Check mark. Check mark. How did you put comforted on this so fast? Because the, the, the I knew it gave him an opening. He gave him an opening. And then I could just hear the harmonies in there. Even though it was chopped up, the harmonies still sound almost the same. Like, oh no. And I've been performing that for 30 years. That's what I'm saying. How you hit him with comforted first, Steady? Jesus Christ. You know what? what? You said the other one would have been too easy. I thought maybe that one would have gave him a little challenge. Steady, are you ready? Go to the next one. Ready? Are you ready? I hear couple what you got? What you got? Um, dang, it's, it's definitely a girl group or something, but um, dang, Coco voice in there. I think I heard Coco too. I like, like Coco voice at first, but then I couldn't recognize them chords. But it could be Love Ruby right here. I don't know. Um, um, what is it? What is it? What is it? Huh? What, 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 what is it? That one was weak. Oh, that was weak. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I thought it was weak. The video was in. <laughs> yeah, no, I was in that video for sure. And look, <laughs> I heard, I thought, I, heard, I knew it was Coco, and I was thinking weak, but I, I was waiting for certain these certain chord structure to hit me, and it never came. And I was like, well, that must not be weak. All right, don't, don't worry. We're not going to tell Coco you didn't get that one. <laughs> I'm going to tell him. I'm going to highlight and let him know that. I, hey, look, Coco, you're going to see this video. I, I messed up with your song. Don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Steady. Play the next one. Okay, okay, let's see here. I mean, he screwed these things up good too, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that we don't call him steady. Are you ready for nothing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay, okay, back on your speed. Yep. Got That's not gonna lose. The my man Shazam and Dino and GI, <laughs> my guys. 
Somebody rocking, babe. There you go. <laughs> we got one more for you, and it's not going to be a shy cut. Nope, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> no shy cuts. Okay. It's just too easy for him. Was that um whatever you want? Is that what it is? My heart He got Jodeci right. I'm just. Where's Jodeci? It's, it's one of them. It's one of them Jodeci Jones. I hear that heavy KC and them harmonies with Jodeci. <laughs> That was crap for you, man. That was crap for you, Jojo killed that. What? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jojo killed that, yo. Yeah, it was. I mean, how did it feel coming back in that era with all those groups? It was you, Jodeci, um, Boys to Men, and stuff like what it was it like? You know, just being in the moment. Like I knew in that moment that that was a special. Like I knew that that was just a special times we were in. Like I knew it didn't take the future for me to look back and be like, "Yo, those was dope." Like I knew then that everybody was a one of one. First of all, like Jodeci did not sound like Boys to Men. Shy right. didn't sound like Jodeci. Right. Sue didn't sound like yeah. Shy. H Town didn't right. sound like nobody. Like UNV, Mint Condition. All these groups had their own sound. Portrait. They just had their yeah. own sound. And it was all dope, though. Then SWVJ, you know, I mean, you got down to the, you know, like the changing faces and the 702s and all that and all that. But, but, yeah, no, we all had their sound. And then the Missy Timberland, Aaliyah movement and Genuine, you know, came right. through and. That was just something yeah. different right there. The one twelves popped up in the jagged edge. They didn't sound nothing like each other. Like right. it was just all really not. Drew Hill came out with Drew, um, your boy from my man Cisco, which is my I love Cisco. Like we've been doing a lot of shows, and I, I, yeah. I, I, I they one of my favorite groups to watch perform. Drew Hill, right. like their performances be off the chain. Like Cisco yeah. gets into this like actors like method acting kind of mode before he goes on, and he just becomes this this whole other. It's a trip to watch it. Like, yo, it's entertaining as hell. And he, he yeah, can blow. Yeah, it's very entertaining. His voice can blow. Yeah. But this voice, I remember early on, I always felt like he had the same stuff in his throat that KC kind of had, like some of the similar, that growl mm-hmm. old man kind of sound. And, mm-hmm. and a little different, but similar enough to where I saw a similarity. But at the same time, they were different enough to be their own thing, mm-hmm. too. Right. And right. I love Drew Hill music, man. So, but they all... Basically, everybody was different from each other, and um, right. like when we had our shows, when it was like Jade, SWV, H Town, Shy, Silk, we would all stand on the stage, on the side of the stage, and watch each other each other perform because we genuinely liked each other's hits and was rooting for each other. Like, like everybody was dope to us. Like, if I wasn't in the group shot, I would still put these would be on my playlist because they right, just dope right. points, you know. I and just so, considered the whole era like a movement with y'all, was. like a straight up movement. And everything, you know, because I mean, you had the new editions when they was out, but it wasn't too they're many. The Godfathers. They're the Godfathers. Right. They're the Godfathers and stuff. But I mean, you guys just came out and it was like, uh, like you said, everybody was different. Everybody had their own sound and everybody yep. was just dope. But it was just a whole movement and stuff and yep. everything. Yep. And 
Oh God, y'all just gave us so much. You still giving us so much. So tell us what's up beside you. I know you got the album, the um your solo album. You said the guys that came on and they was also helping you and um on doing some things with you. But what else we can expect from Shy and everything and golf and Doctor? I'm I'm trying to get traction in schools, building bridge programs to help like on um, black high schools and and, and black mm -hmm. studies departments interface with each other, you know, in the hoods and. I'm also trying to develop this thing called an artist and scholar initiative where I'm introducing skilled trades as part of a core curriculum with STEM con concepts. So mm -hmm. our babies, once they graduate, they don't only can be college track with the STEM stuff, but if everything mm -hmm. breaks down, even though they develop that academic, but they can't get hired, they can have a trade, a skilled trade that they have learned and gotten a, a certification for, or they can do, they can put up a drywall, they can do electricianship, they can cut some hair, skills that right. you can still make money and not be handicapped. but um, mentally ambidextrous enough to have both a trade for entrepreneurial track as well as your. So I'm fighting to get that put in fourth grade type of settings where I feel like the premises, mm -hmm. different ethnicities need contoured educations to produce the solution Absolutely. set to the problems that plague their particular ethnicity. Different people have different pathways and different plights. And so that through education, though, you can correct that if you produce the solution set. So let's contour our educational criteria to produce a product through our kids coming through and matriculating that's going to then allow the neighborhoods and the communities to be stronger based on what they are learning so if they're armed with entrepreneurial skill sets and a viable uh, skill problem skill set as well as the college track type of basically is combining booker t washington and wb du bois's philosophies together and having Ooh. a both hand instead of an either or yes. so booker t and, and, and du bois du bois wanted the talented 10th the college track people to be the leaders and kind of get respect for the for the uh race through that you know showing that they you know they can infiltrate political stuff and do all the different things through their education and booker t washington was like look we can build literally build community by dropping our pills right here getting in the land working it building our structures and creating our own and and, and keeping it in-house and and, and and having respect for ourselves through our own how we doing our work for ourselves and okay. i'm like both of those can be, it don't have to be an either or they can be both and so right. respect for skilled tradesmen some kind of way they got pushed down on like some kind of blue collar level where people mm -hmm. who put up drywall or electricians or plumbers they look at it as some kind of second tier now nah, they get to work when in houston when all that weather came the dudes who can cut a hole in the wall and fix your plumbing they the ones who was getting money or everybody yeah. else couldn't even leave a house and all right right we need to think i rethink what you know the, the and then there's a lot of people, sort of the earth type people that do these jobs that don't get the respect as people and skills. A lot of those trades people, but everywhere in the world, somebody need their haircut. If you got that skill, you can go yeah. anywhere and make money. Everybody in the world needs electricians. And so yeah, our kids need to have equal respect for those people and those right. compositions and not look at it either or where they can do one you on your vocational right. track or the cop. No, both of those could be part of you. So when you graduate, you can still go to college and then have this hustle and then employ people. Like right, you can, right. Let it build community because the skilled trades are in like communities, like houses and small businesses. Where it's who hires the electricians and the plumbers. So you're right. in the community. So you still the salt of the earth because you're dealing with people that look like you. And so you're getting respect mm -hmm. and you're respecting community values because you're helping build them. But you also got the college track stuff where you're seeing the macro pictures and the philosophies and the theoretical stuff that they teach you. And you can join them together like the skeletal system and the muscular system. You can make a whole thing that's sustainable and viable. And we need that. And we don't you have do. that. We I use it. And it doesn't. So I'm working right. on stuff like that. So you'll be hearing my name attached to different things like that. And Lisa said, this is beautiful what you're doing, giving that back to, to our youth and back to our community. And that is absolutely phenomenal. Wow. Thank you. 
I'm trying wow. my best to make wow. some kind of mark in that way. So we need that. Our babies need that. And um it, it'll change our communities if we if more people had double skills like that. Like, you know, if everybody it just came with the territory, yeah, you're gonna have your math and science and you're gonna be dope with that. And you can, you know, your technology and all the stuff, but you're gonna be able to do some trade, something with your hands that you can just you're going to fix a car. You're going to be able to put the air to your engine. You're going to be able to do some welding. You're going to be able to do some kind of plumbing, some drywall, something where you can build like real life skill stuff. Right. Because face it, Word. all the PhDs in the world, if this society broke down, we got put in the wilderness, we wouldn't know how to sustain ourselves or live or build a damn right. Right. Know nothing right. about the real world. That's the real world. We know about this theoretical world that, that capitalism has taken over and presented to us as, as solid, but we don't really have survival skills like we think we do and so i'm thinking that we need more of that kind of stuff working with our hands and, absolutely you know. right so. and it's like you i'm looking here just listening to everything that you know every knowing everything you done did like you're such uh like the the ultimate epitome of a role model like in every direction the uh, you know, music right the music you know the thing on the music um um the industry um, you, you just letting them know it's important to go back to school and then you know I, I just can't it's like I'm just overwhelmed right now I'm so serious <laughs> and everything Jackie said I'm with you I work with the youth Jackie works with the youth as well yes. she works with the youth with the fashion and models she has a um, school called J Love of um, Etiquette and Fashion Dope. okay yes Dope. and um, she works with the community she gets them out there um, she works with um, you know um and she works with kids, um, with autistic kids as far as oh wow, yes, and modeling etiquettes and everything on the runway. She just got an award for that and everything. Oh, yeah. So giving back to our youth is so important and everything. And I, I, you know, that's another amazing thing and stuff. And I, and I know I just want to thank you so much. Also, you, my nephew, who just you spoke to earlier, like you know what it is for people that's incarcerated. That is just something like big to him when he came was able to speak to you, somebody who he looked up to growing up. Right. I, 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 icon, he still looks you the icon. He actually where he's at right now got to sing a song with you. Stuff like that matters, and it's not always the big thing that you do giving back. It's the little things. You understand what I'm saying? No, that, just, that made me feel. I got as much out of that as he did. So it's like, because yeah. that's real life human stuff. Like, yes, right. I, I feel good being a part of that. Like that's right. that rewards me more than like getting paid for a show. Like that's a real thing, right there. Right, it is, and that just yeah. like made his day. Like you know, he, what you gonna do? He's gonna go back and just think about, remember that, and everything. And Jackie, she said, um. You got the comments rolling in. Um, I would love to have you in my show next year. So you and her could no work problem. that out and everything. Yeah, Jackie's good with it, huh? Let me tell you something. Oh, yeah, phenomenal. Phenomenal good with it, huh? She uh you you gotta ask around about her. You know you mentioned Absolutely. Jackie Love, you're gonna ring bells. They can be like, oh yeah. <laughs> but um, let everybody know where they can find you at the social besides the block. And thank you so much for signing up on the block. That's my oh, yeah, yeah. that I created <laughs> for um entertainers and artists to come network because I felt they had LinkedIn, Facebook, and you know Instagram, but they had nothing for like the entertainers and you know artists and stuff. And I came up with that. Me and my brother, we um, you know, we started that up like a couple of years ago, and unfortunately, he passed away. He wasn't here to see it oh, roll out and everything. So, but. Thanks for signing up on my app to block and stuff. You know, it's new, but hopefully we get to, you know, it's, it's by us for us, basically. Yeah, so, that's a dope concept. The block. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> the company is called Everything Entertainment Expo. 
Um, okay. But what happened was when the young kids started signing up, the icons are shaped for the block. So they was like, yeah, I'm up on the block today. I was like, you know what? So I got to incorporate that. Leave it up to the young kids and stuff. So I said, let me put that in there. Simple and everything. That's, that can't help me that. Um, Yes, and you know, yes, you were very humble, Garfield. They said, yeah, yeah just was. Um, oh, thank you, my big sister. We're so proud of you. Um, and I just want to thank you so much. But I'm sorry, I interrupt you. Just to let everybody know, besides the block, where else they can find you? Oh, yeah, Instagram on Instagram and, and Facebook. Um, on Instagram and Facebook, I'm on the Garfield Bright Experience. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Shy, we have a page. Um, Shy right. Roglifty. Mm-hmm. So S H A I like shy and then roglyphics, you know. Right, <laughs> like right, yeah. But that's yeah. the shy page and stuff on the same IG Facebook, and that's pretty much it, you know. That's it and stuff. And let me tell you something. I, you know, I, and I want to thank you so much for replying to my my message on Instagram and stuff when I sent it to you, and I was like, oh, sweat, you replied. Thank you so much. And that's everything. No it was just, um, I'm just so grateful. It. We're grateful that you came on and shared your story with us. Um, and everything, and just let every let us know. We just kept us brung up to date what's going on with with you and the you group got her group. literally overwhelmed right yeah, now. I am overwhelmed. This is I'm a first. You know why? Because I'm sitting here just listening to everything he done did. Like I mean, he's he now he's not only Garfield, he's Doctor Garfield, right? Okay, exactly. you know, and he's giving back to the community. He's coming out with this awesome book, you know, and that's something that that these kids need stuff like that. You understand what I'm Agreed. saying? And they need to see our men bring it to them, and this is what he's right. doing. And and this is why you I'm know. just I'm just like so overwhelmed, and I, I just I thank you so much for taking the time out with us and everything, and um sitting down talking to us and stuff and hopefully we definitely be able to get you back on the show because we want to get you back on the show after that book comes you know no doubt, no doubt. i'm speaking a movie into existence for you okay, okay? Keep speaking, keep speaking. <laughs> i'm speaking Wait. that movie into existence for you i i feel it because that book in itself is just like phenomenal and everything but what you know one thing i do want to ask you everything you done experienced coming you know um coming up you know going to school you know, coming out being a part of the one of the most popular, hottest R and B groups, and then up to now, like, um, what will you tell, looking back, your younger self, if you can tell your younger self anything? Well, you know, like, um, just I think everybody gets blindsided by the industry in terms of mm-hmm. what it actually was versus what they thought it was supposed to be. Right. And so, and that's what my dissertation kind of looked at. It would end up being four phases to different the different artists who I interviewed. It's, it's four phases that, in, that were in common to their projection, um, their progression. And the first is like the trial and error phase, where you you know you coming into this thing that's a business that you thought was an art thing, and you you clash, you come to grips with it, and so you you thinking that the business is gonna work itself out. So you doing your other stuff, and you start realizing that it's a trial and error thing. Like you seeing what's working, and then at, at a for a second you got to pull back. And then in real, because once you realize that it's not just artistry, it's product creation, <laughs> then you got to look at like, you got to peep game, like right. assess this. And you peep game and you realize how it works. And then you have to make a decision on how much of that game that you peep, you can actually palette and move like that. And how much of it you need to put to the side to save face and find a sweet spot that allow you to stay in the industry without pissing too many people off while right. still not kowtowing to this ridiculous power leverage that they have in terms of creating their product that you are actually the artist of. So that's the peak game. And then what you end up doing after that 
reflects this game you learn, and that's the new attitude phase. Like you've readjusted from that trial and error phase when you first came into the industry, not really tripping on the business part. Now you got a new attitude where you got definite do's and don'ts, where you right. don't really necessarily like stuff like, you know, don't make friends be your um just for the sake of that your friends be your your business pieces because they're your friends. Because in these circles, if they're not adequate to the task, your brand and your credibility to the label and, the, and those leverage points that you need to create are not going to happen. So you learn quickly that if your friend happens to be qualified hardcore, then yes. But you need to have people that can do the job. And sometimes they might take on different hues and different sizes and shapes, which really the final analysis, you need people. So those kind of life lessons. And then the last thing is, you know, um, 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 life is the experience is the best teacher. Your your new attitude and came into existence. Now you used to tread in the path. You carved out a place Mm -hmm. for yourself to walk. And now certain things that, you know, work over here. That's a power dynamic space are going to transfer in your life, too. You know, so like me, I was at Georgia State and I created a program coming from the artist side of things into an educational side. Yeah, I created a new program and I was housed, you know, as a in in this building working as a graduate assistant. But they wanted to kind of like take my program because I, I they thought I created it under their building. But me being an artist, as soon as I came up with the concept, I got a copy written. So all they could do with me was partner with me. They couldn't take over me because I'll be damned if I go to California years later and want to do that program and I got to call Georgia State to ask them for permission to do right. my program. So immediately I copy wrote my stuff because that's what you do as an artist with your intellectual property in the music industry. You protect yourself. So stuff like that, I applied that to everywhere and it helped me because when I got to that other place, like the educational side with the intellectual property, I, I was coming from an artist thing. I right. wasn't no right. young out of fresh into college person who didn't know nothing about because I had been through an industry. So that that lesson transferred for me. So yeah. Right. So that's that's kind of how the industry over time, it, it, you know, it taught me lessons. And so a lot of the stuff that I, I learned from it, I are good rules of thumb for general life moves. And so that's you know I, that's what I retained from it. I, I forget if that was your original question. But um that that definitely was my question and stuff. And you okay. answered it so Perfectly and everything. Um, now, are you gonna be working with like um, music-wise? And I'm sorry, you hear Coco again. She just barks when she hears the littlest thing. That's my little baby, though. My last my doggy. But are you plan on like maybe um, working with any of the these younger artists like this around, like collaborating, like or any of them? Would you like to collaborate? I with? always, I always collab. It's like it's a studio in Houston called the One Sound Vibe. Big up to my man Lafayette, and um, it's always like new artists in there that I'm singing hooks on their stuff and mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm singing verses I'm a, I'm a, I'm an artist so I collab just yeah, off the most right. of so I'm just that type of spirit anyway so I've I've done stuff that's probably coming up coming out that I'm not even aware of in certain circles that I've contributed to and if you know I, I like that new energy like I got a couple right. of young students that end up being artists that I cut a lot of songs with because they're young energy, they're writing style, right. they cadence with the melodies, and then my old schoolness, but I still got a young, a young enough spirit to kind of, without playing myself, match what they're doing in my way where it connects and jives, where it's authentic. Like, I like that. I like putting that in my mix because it helps keep me fresh, and I like bouncing off. Like, people like, um like, I like, like, people like Miguel. um mm-hmm. I like Jeremiah. Like, um, it, there's a few young cats out there that I really think are dope. Like I like they, you know, Bruno Mars is like one of my favorite artists. Period. Yeah, he's like, out there. He's out there. Yeah. That's where he can blow yeah, anything. Yeah. That boy is bad. And his um and that '90s kind of sound he gets, he's doing like with with, with uh T 
T-Pain helping him write a little bit. And I think Bootsy got a little bit to do with some of that stuff. Um, and then, you, you know, he got your boy, um, what's his name? Anderson Pack in the crew doing, Anderson you know, so. Park. Yeah. They get about to do the Super Bowl with Dr. Dre in them. Yeah. I look. It's the first time I ever look forward to a Super Bowl performance. I, I don't remember. Really, I'm like, yeah, I'm it's looking forward. I actually want to make sure I watch that as opposed to it's yeah. coming on. I, I might peep in. Look, I really am looking forward to seeing that one. Like, because so, I'm not a football yeah. fan, but I'm gonna watch that for that performance. Everybody in there is, is dope. I, I I can't wait to rock, rock, watch them rock. Everybody on there, you know. So it's like, but um, you know, I I, I like a lot of the uh, young cats that um, you know, because there's um. There's no way without you and I. That that's a, that song right there. Those lyrics. That's some. That's some throwback. That's a dope. That's yeah. dope. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and he he killed. You know, and then you know, maybe we can be on chill tonight. Like maybe we can yeah. be chill. chill. Da, 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 da. Like the melody oh is dope. Like, like I, I enjoy that. So I'm not gonna knock all this new music because of some of it I really enjoy. Like you know what I mean? I'll be right. sitting like. Right. like Maybe we could be us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, I, you know, I'm still inspired by a lot of stuff. And I you know some of these artists, my point was, I, I would mind collaborating with some of those artists. Right, you know, right, they, they right. Like, I'd be like, yo, like, Jeremiah Voice, if he sing on some, his voice is dope. Like, just his voice. Yeah. Like, In general, and his yeah. songs be dope, you know. But I, yeah. I, I, he got a, people, I don't think, realize how dope his actual voice is until they hear him on probably some other stuff, too, because. His songs are already so fly that you not you might not right. realize that his voice is that dope, right? Yeah. But um, but people like that, Miguel, like I, I really like dig they they style and they 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 lyrics and um yeah, and those Miguel, things yeah, that they do. You know what I'm saying? They they dope to me, and I look forward right. to that. You know, and I'm wondering where my main music soul child is. I, you know, I'm I'm I'll be glad we come. I'll be needing. Some yeah. of that, you know, some of that real R and B, some Anthony Hamilton, some real yeah, Hamilton. Jesus, God. Yeah, that, uh, was it um and um I love it all, I love you. That's my favorite joint by him. And uh, go ahead and, and sing it, Garfield. Yeah. That's my like, favorite. Yo, Anthony Hamilton is crazy. He kind of remind me of Dino a little bit. That's why I yeah, like him so much. Yeah, you know yeah, he do with his voice. Well, he got his own thing though, and he, he just dope. Yeah. He's dope. Like he's dope. Right. So this vegan life looks like it's been like it's doing you justice. Like I said, you don't look a day over thirty. I'm serious, Garfield. I mean, I listen. I, I I just ate a piece of steak earlier, but I'm thinking about now. I'm looking at you. I, I'm about to leave that red meat alone. Leave meat alone and stuff and, and everything. Are you preparing your own meals, or do you got like do you? Or do oh, I you, have to cook because you know you because I'm one of those kind of vegans that I don't reach, I don't. I don't like just live off of like things that are vegan substitutes for me, like the vegan hot dog. It, like I actually get vegetables and put the mugs in the, in the situation and eat mm. real. Like you know, I chop up some onions, some green peppers, some some mushrooms, some carrots. You know what I mean? Then they got this stuff called white rice that's you know that I can mix with it. That's made out of like you know chickpea flour. And you know, but you know, I eat a hot meal, but I eat mostly. Then I got a Nama juicer where I get all that stuff and juice it, make real pure juice through the day, and then make me a good hot meal and put the fatty stuff on it, like the avocado, so I can sleep overnight and keep my weight up. And I don't learn a few things, but yeah, I cook a lot. And I cut up and I eat real simple in the basics most of the time. Cook, ladies, you hear this? Yeah. <laughs> so I do okay, it like so that. Anything man. you don't do, right? A lot of stuff, you know what I'm saying? But I just, you know, I'm real basic and simple to me. You no, know, I just. Really, you, know, you dropped a bunch of jewels tonight. You gonna call yourself basic and simple? All these things. Nothing basic about you. 
So how do you make that on the holidays and stuff with the eating? Like, because I mean, do you get together with the oh, family? Oh, no, I've been used to that. Well, see, since I was like 17, I stopped eating beef and pork. Oh, so okay. I, I almost okay. forgot what that tastes like. I'm 52 now, so that's that's a lot of years ago. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> um, um, Lisa said, what five can years you, ago. Um, they have a question for you. What can you recommend for diabetics with a vegan? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's, diabetes, natural foods, whole foods are like... um actually like stuff like there's so many things in the in the vegan world that first of all you can just start doing some black seed oil just on a regular and your diabetes your diabetes will come down um but like chard and kale and all these different green leafy things they're diuretic they cut down on your body's water retention and your body is more alkaline and so the insulin that has been stunted starts reactivating itself with a body chemistry and your ph gets back to normal the foods like a lot of the mucus based and blood based foods creates the the the, the exacerbated kind of like body chemistry that allows diabetes to kind of flourish um that a1c stuff and so whole foods are kind of like minimize the whole like bandwidth of that the way it's like it's right. not even an issue your blood becomes cleaner and more it kickstarts itself again in terms of what it's producing and um it's just it's you know look at look up swiss chard and look up all of the red all the things that are red god made things that are red for your blood, like most things that have a red vine like on it, a red stem, like beets and liver, beet, beets and all that kind of stuff, it's yeah. for your blood. You know what I mean? God color coded it for you. <laughs> wow. So you know, you, you know things that are yellow might be for your pancreas. Like it's a, read Doctor Laila Africa's book, African Holistic Health. That's something that you could check out, and there's some it's a lot of good stuff in there in terms of diet. Doctor Sabi, of course, he's passed away, rest in power, but. A lot of his stuff was just on point, you know, and that might be one of the reasons why he's not with us today. Um, but check out Dr. Sabi. The enemy is mucus. And a lot of the, you know, blood-based foods produce mucus in your body. And that's what all the germs live. Think, when you're getting better from being sick, the first thing that starts happening is you start draining mucus. Why? Right, it's because right, that's what all right, the sick yeah. stuff was living inside of. Okay, and your body right. finally got it out of you, but it comes out because it lives in the mucus. So it comes out through the mucus. So right. if you don't develop a lot of mucus to begin with, that stuff don't have too many places to live inside of you. And so you can't get so compromised immuno, um, immuno, immunologically. <laughs> and so, okay, so you're just a doctor all the way around. Just and just, you know, I, just, I, I read up on that kind of stuff because I really was interested in like foods that, that keep you here, sustain your foods that take you away. And, you know, why black people, when they get like a certain age, start, you know, dying from food based diseases and stuff like, like, what is it? You know, and I, I, I didn't want to become that guy. And so early on, I met. Dick Gregory's daughter, and she took me to her wow. crib, and I met Baba Gregory, whose birthday is the same day as mine, rest in power. And I started really at a young age being conscious of the power of food and um, what it can do and how it can keep you young and beautif beautified, or how it can, like, you can lose beauty quality over time based on the harsh the nature of what your body is trying to digest. Your stomach acids is like a muscle. And when it starts you're becoming tired from constantly eating and eating harsh things to break down, like beef, the matrix of beef the skin got a lot of cartilage and stuff inside of the meat. And so it, it don't never right. break down all the way. Your body never really fully digests the beef. And so stuff be, through your intestines goes right past it and starts it starts sitting in your colon and becomes acidic. And then leukoplasia starts forming. And that's where the cancer becomes. It's really just rotten beef that was sitting in your stomach because you never cleaned oh, it. And so right. a lot of people get colon cancer from just rotten beef in their system. You know? They don't even know it. And so all that kind of stuff, like, you know, really... You know, I'm, I'm not I don't ever push veganism on anybody because, you know, a lot of people have to find their way in. it. It's not easy because you got to really find what works and then 
you lose weight at first because you don't know what to eat and but then you find things that can sustain you and then you find a right. pattern and, you know now i find my pattern like i regulate and i'm good I'm, i keep myself a certain weight through it it's not even hard and so well it's working for you honey i'm gonna tell you i'm saying i kid you not i mean like i mean I mean, you always been a fine brother, and you still got I me. Mean, so, but I mean, now it's like now you here. You have fifty two. You claim you fifty two. I don't believe it. I'm fifty two. I promise. I looked at it on Instagram. Like, ain't no way myself. Like, I'm like, it's been that long. <laughs> We're looking at like, what am I doing wrong? And I see. I mean, God darn. But um, that's what's up. That's what's up. You know. And I'm so glad. Um, you know, a lot, they was able to hear your voice on that and stuff and everything because you just dropped some more jewels on us. Because a lot of this oh, stuff man. you see the comments, they're like, "Wow, thank you." The more <laughs> I learn, the more I learn, the more I'll share. Like I'm, you know, because I, I really want to know, like, like what what this is. I, it's a lot of stuff I want to know that I'm still looking for answers for. Right. So you do a lot of reading and researching, don't you? you yeah, I'm just made. I'm just made in that way, which is why, like, I was telling you when I went to get my PhD, it was really for like I was just curious. I'm a learner. Like curious, right. I want to see how far I could I could just go learning. It wasn't really the toss my weight around as doctor this that you know but i end up landing at dr brightness you know what i mean <laughs> like, right, right. Dr. I, really like, I like learning i like knowledge i like being able to figure these things out and connect dots because i'm innately feeling like something ain't right about what, where we live what we do in the name of being human what doing human actually means how capitalism plays a part in that like things don't seem right to me so i'm always trying to figure out like what the hell is this that we live in what is earth right. what is this how old is this place really what is human for real like what right. what are we here for like what what is time like how huh you know what i'm saying like i, I trip out on a lot of stuff that just never gets answered that people act like aren't questions yeah, you like the pal, your philosophy you like the pal that that's a philosophy route because i'm really tripping out on like what is called life like what is this shit? like right. nobody, we just live and then we just die. Like, what is this? Right, right. What are we in? What is this thing we're in? Like, it has no end and no beginning. Like, nobody knows what this shit is, and they act like they do, and it's, it pisses me off. So I got to find out for my own self little things, and I just throw questions to the universe and stay open-minded, and little things ajar answers, and I get epiphanies, and, you know, I just work like that, and it makes me more spiritual, I think, on most levels. But I'm just not satisfied with what I'm what this the explanations for where language comes from. Right. Nothing about what we do, period. Like the capabilities of us psycho spiritually, what voice actually is, consonant vowel combinations, how powerful they actually are, like why it's called spell spelling and why they use the same word for what witches do, spells, cast spells to, to denote writing out letters to make words. All those are called spelling. Why is that? Do they have a common like what is what's what's happening here? Like you know what right, I mean? Right, <laughs> so right. I, I stay dissatisfied with the explanations, I, and so it makes me reach a little further because I just, I just don't, you know. And it's like you know, I, I just got so many questions for you, and I promise I'm gonna let you go soon. But listen, well, this question I have for you, right? Um, let's take it back 18 months ago, right? And with the Black Lives Matter, the George uh, Floyd, George Floyd, and everything, did your tone and like your creativity when you was doing music change behind that? and stuff like did you find yourself going like in a darker um creative mode no nah, you know what it did for me it um you know that whole time all this stuff is just it's some weird times we're living in and some of it seems to be quite honestly synthetic i mean produced and put out there in this real weird kind of way like it's something wrong with it sensationalized wise like mm -hmm. the premise of black lives mattering is that uh, yes, they damn sure do. They always have. Right, but right. something around the politic of it and the way it's 
push it's something weird going on but um in terms of just the times we're in i wrote this song called indigo child like the indigo children um if anybody's familiar with that phrase are the children that like old souls that seem like they are here for a purpose and they're they're showing it early on in their lives like the four-year-old that's already written a book to raise money for some kids in haiti like them kind of children like they on another they be here for another. And so I wrote a song called Indigo Child Child because I feel like I'm one of those. I'm just older. Right. And um, I'm saying, yo, it's time to stand up. So it's a real pretty dope acapella heartfelt mm. piece that's asking them to finally, like, I don't care if you're eight or 10, it's time for you to stand up and take your place to be a leader of, of the new paradigm we need to be going to based on your young, pure energy and your imaginative powers that can see literally a reality outside of this one. And right. so I'm calling for y'all to stand up and take hold of this. That and I wrote a song like that. But right, um, so that right. was pretty much, you know. Right, you know. right. That's awesome. Well, and are you right? Are you currently teaching right now? No, no, no. I like I take my PA, like I could be probably teaching and you know, adjunct at certain universities, or whatever. Right, but okay. I don't want to be in the Ivory Tower as a professor. Like I, that's not I'm not interested in that. Like right. I, I want to be in the community creating programs on the ground. Like you go. real, like real real outcome that i can see happening you know so I, that's my that's what my what i do with my phd I, I, and some you know i'm open for consulting in terms of creating engagement for like teachers who have problems with engagement in their classes like i i figured some things out around um a mechanism mm. for engagement mm. so i can take your right. course and teach your children in my style and, and it, you'll see how i'm creating engagement and sparking the light bulb Right, right. The habits of mind for you, not my talents, but the, the objectives, my hap my sensibilities, and then mm -hmm. you know, so I I, I, tr I do that kind of work too. Okay, um, okay. Well, that's so, awesome. Well, can we give him some hands or just some claps? I mean, just just for everything he's doing, like outside. I mean, you think, I mean, I know you got claps on the stage and everywhere else, but this is just phenomenal. This has just been a phenomenal show. I want to thank you so much once again for coming on and everything. Um, like. Really, Garfield. I mean, you the truth. I kid you not. For having me, I mean, Definitely. I mean, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this with us, educating us, um, and stuff. You got a lot of people out there who's just looking at this like, wow. And well, thank you for joining um, and coming to check me out, and I appreciate yeah, that thank love. You. It's, I'm serious. And um, so again, people go to his Instagram. You can find him on Instagram, Facebook. Um, you find him on the block. He's on the block now, and I'm just like, oh man, it got those up the on block. the block. I got off the porch. I got him on the block. <laughs> I really appreciate that and stuff. And we definitely gonna be looking out, looking out for that new music, looking out for that book and everything. Um, looking out for that movie because <laughs> I want to talk. Like I said, I'm not gonna, talking into existence for you and stuff. And you know, um, I just thank you so much, Steady. What you got to stay for Garfield? I mean, I just... Well, I, I, I mean, I, I feel like you just summed it all up. What more can we say? I didn't mean to walk it up. I didn't mean to walk it up, but I just couldn't help it and stuff because, I mean, this is a guy who, um, since I was a teenager, like, oh, my God, you know? You, and, I came up in that era, so you got to look at the more, <laughs> what he yeah, has I'm layered, not, he, the he's foundation. A compared to us. He's a baby. That's crazy, yo. That's <laughs> crazy. Stuff and Allegedly. But didn't he just tell you about the old souls of the area? I'm one of them. Okay, he got so old, so he does. But again, thank you so much, Golf, for coming on today. Thank you all for having me. Respect. You got to do us a drop. We just need one drop. He got to do a who they want. No, you didn't even go to the drop. No, I didn't know. Judy wasn't paying for that. No. Yo, imagine if we would have went to high school together. Oh, my God. Yo. No, it would have been horrible. 
Nobody would have graduated. What are you talking about? Nobody would have graduated. No, I would have graduated. You know, I would have graduated. I always wanted everybody else would have right, and the rest of us would have said, How did that happen? (laughs) Right. Like, please. Like, please, are you kidding me? But serious, Tasha, you need to do a real reach out because I'm I can't even imagine how many people were. Hey, I think the Amish people go to school. Yeah, they go. They do. They do. They They go to school. Up until about eighth grade or so, yeah. Yeah, according to what I've went to what I've um researched, it's about eighth like eighth grade, and then they start and then they start work, you know, they start working on the farm and stuff. Well, there you go, people. For all y'all who have diplomacy issues, become an Amish and start <laughs> Diplomacy issues. He said diplomacy issues. That is that is that is terrible. And think about those parents that gave Donis some good, they good hard earned money. Because wasn't Donis up to like eight hundred dollars a month by the time yeah. he finally came? Yeah, to he was charging. No, he, t- he, he charged on how, how how severe the situation was when the kid came. Right. Let's keep it real. Right. It wasn't an even right. He do, it was depending on the severity right. of how bad you needed this to happen for you. Right. So, but so convert to the Amish after you get to that stage of your life. Work on the field and earn their money back. 